You come with the king, you best not miss. You're now locked in the zone, zone 32. Welcome back to Zone 32 Podcast. Uh, this is a different voice than you're used to hearing to kick this off. Jake, unfortunately, um, touched the wrong color wire. He de- He's dead. He was electrocuted and he uh, his skin burned off. He's a skeleton. R.I.P. Jake. Um, Grant, we had him on earlier, but he just disappeared. Uh, it, it's like he pixelated and disappeared. Yeah, I think that Jake being electrocuted kind of like shocked the Matrix, and now Grant is no longer with us. So, so it may just be a two-man podcast from now on. Um, yeah. We do have a, a treat for the listeners later in the show, um, probably not too long from now. Um, we have a special guest who will wait to intro when when he pops in, but I think everybody will enjoy that. And, um, you know, we, we have a lot to digest coming out of, you know, a game that I don't think that most people had high expectations for once everything sort of fell into place. We didn't record last week. So, you know, we do have, we have basically two weeks of ground to cover. Um, you know, there was a, a, obviously a major event happened in the NFL with the DeMar Hamlin, um, injury, if you want to call it that or incident. Um, and the fallout from that, which had a huge impact on the Ravens. Um, I think know, that's why we avoided recording last week is that yeah. that was just too like, you know, we were pissed off about how the Steelers game ended, and I feel like we would have been, you know, unfair to that situation and probably taken out some frustration on that that wasn't necessary. So, right, yeah, it, the, it would have been, I think, a little tone deaf, especially on the yeah. the, the recording schedule that we had. And then, um, you know, it, it, by the time it would have made sense to record, it wouldn't make wouldn't have made any sense to record. So, I think last week it was it was best uh, left to the Twitter banter. And uh, obviously, a- as any uh, reasonable human would, you know, obviously we wish Damar Hamlin the best. And uh, I'm sure he's an avid listener of Zone 32 and he's listening to this right now. Well, I mean, but- you know, number three and, you know, big fan of the two hand heart thing. So it just makes sense. That's yeah, 32 right. is, uh, yeah. I mean, you we know. basically are a, a Damar Hamlin tribute podcast. But yeah, so in, in all seriousness, you know, uh, happy to hear that he's he, I believe, went home today from the hospital in Buffalo. Um, the fallout from that game uh, was ugly. The Bengals and and the uh, Bills never <clears throat> reconvened, so they ended up with only 16 games played. It made it so that our game was really for nothing. Uh, the NFL tried to rectify that. They made it made a, uh, a ruling that if we won the game, there'd be a coin toss to see where the game the wild card game was played. Should we end up playing the Bengals in the playoffs, which we are, and you know the rest is history. Uh, the Bengals started complaining the minute that ruling even was not even ruling, but the suggestion of that came out, and have not stopped since. Um, so I don't know. You know, I don't know if we should get into this right now, or you know what I think would be a good idea just to keep it light. Uh, coming out of this talk about the Demar Hamlin situation is why don't we why don't we toss it over to the interview with our our friend now and yeah. uh after a, after that we'll come back and we'll we'll talk more about everything that went on around uh last week and going into this big wild card weekend this is a zone 32 exclusive all right everybody we got a special guest today uh we teased it a little bit leading up to this 
Uh, he is a very special guest. He is a renowned blogger for Barstool Sports. He is uh, one of the founding members of one of my favorite podcasts, uh, which is on current hiatus. We're going to fix that by the end of this uh, <laughs> this segment. Um, and he is a Giants fan. And one of the reasons we're having him on here is because, obviously, they have inherited someone that uh, is a little bit divisive in the Ravens community, Wink Martindale. Uh, this is Clem from Barstool Sports. Clem, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, as someone that uh, I feel like there is like a little bit of a, a brotherhood here with Wink coming to our side. I never realized he was so divisive. Most of the Ravens fans that I've talked to over the years, they all seem to love him. I, I'm i in the honeymoon phase with Wink right now, so I don't know. If you, maybe down the road I could see, you know, defensive coordinators always seem to have that effect on, on uh, fan bases. So uh, happy to be here. And as someone that has drafted J.K. Dobbins every year of his goddamn career in fantasy football, I feel like I have a, a little bit at staking you guys. And uh, next year's the year. Next year's the year for J.K. where it's all going to finally come together for him. I, I love to hear that. Love it. <laughs> love that optimism for sure. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll say this about Wink Martindale. I, Drew and I, I don't think either one of us uh, really saw it coming that Wink was going to go. We were both yeah. defenders of Wink. Um Last year in particular, his style sort of reared his ugly head at times for us. Uh, that Miami game was, uh, uh, you know, I think one of those times. Uh, there was a, there was another game where it was just like, what the hell is going on? But generally, I was a big Wink fan. I, I thought, and I'm sure Drew will echo this sentiment, that we were going to get rid of the other coordinator, and that's the one that everybody wants to get rid of up here. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I think – I don't think anybody's rooting against Wink. Uh, and I don't, I don't know that there's much – a disdain in in the in Ravens flock for for the Giants at all. Um, you know, obviously we played in that one Super Bowl, but that was not even really a competitive game. So um, I don't I don't know that there's much uh, Giants hate in it down here in Baltimore. Uh, what do you think, Drew? No, I mean I would say that's one of the rival teams that I don't hate, which is um, rare. I, I pretty much hate everybody the Ravens play. So <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing with Wink for me was I got tired of seeing Marlon come off the edge and seeing like. OA or Justin Houston drop into coverage, which I'm sure, you know, James Bray, a couple of James Bradbury blitzes and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau dropping into coverage and yell, <laughs> you know, yell at the television. But that was really my only issue with him. I am surprised that he left for a uh, lateral move. I thought he'd get a head coaching job, but. Well, I, I already know. saw Clem. Uh, he, he's already talking about, he's worried about people talking about Clem, uh, um, Wink as a, a head coaching candidate this year. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's new for us. It's been a while, I should say, not not new for us, but it's been a while that we've been good enough to get our coordinate have our coordinators taking jobs. Um, you know, after Black Monday hits, and we have both Wink and then our offensive coordinator Mike Kafka already getting you know requests for interviews, and I'm like, oh, I hate this so much. It was the best back when you know the the glory days of Tom Coughlin. We had Kevin Gilbride as offensive coordinator, and no one's gonna hire Kevin Gilbride as yeah. head coach <laughs> yeah. at that point, right? And right. I mean, we lost Spags. Spagnolo obviously went to the Rams. Um, after the Super Bowl, but that, once you win the Super Bowl, you you know you you figure the brain drain is going to hit sooner or later. So uh, it, it, I I love having Wink here. He he uh, before the first game of the season or the first home game, he's like, I need my crowd to be loud. I need you guys to get up, and it got me all fired up. It got all the Giants fans fired up, and it's notoriously Giants. Uh, the old giant stadium into the current one at MetLife has always, they've always been notoriously fans that kind of sit on their hands. I think it's like an older crowd. It's the tickets passed down from generations. And it's just kind of like a fan base that, you know, kind of just sits in its own. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's just like an, an archaic thing. 
and it's been a louder season this year for sure. And I, I definitely think Wink has a, a part to do with that, him asking for us and the the kind of defense he plays, that kind of defense where you're blitzing and you're going to, you know, try to kill the quarterback. That's the kind of stuff that gets fans, you know, excited. I I, I loved um, we had Patrick Graham la- the last couple of years, and he was a bend don't break. It's hard for the fans to keep cheering for defense when it's like a fifteen play drive and you held him to a field goal. You're happy about that, but it just takes a lot of the juice out of you. So yeah, we're very happy to have Wink here. Kayvon Thibodeau actually dropped into coverage on. Uh, it was like one of those last play, plays of the Commanders game that we won. That was a huge game to get into the playoffs. Kayvon, I realized he was, you know, in the end zone covering a receiver. I'm like, what are we doing right now? <laughs> and, but oh, yeah. then, you know, everyone got mad at Wink when he sent the house against the Vikings the last time they played him. And Justin Jefferson, you know, took the screen and, and moved it. So it's like live by the Wink, die by the Wink. You guys know that. And I remember those Bengals games last year. Um, and that's the thing. with this, When the secondary is banged up, they say that's when Wink's system. Oh, like, yeah. Ugly. Oh, and yeah. I was... I was terrified for that as a Giants fan because our secondary was basically going into the season. We thought it was Dory Jackson, Xavier McKinney, and Julian Love were our three like actual pieces and everything else. We couldn't like feel the secondary because our cap uh, graveyard from Dave Gettleman, all the dead cap we have on the on the salary cap. I didn't think there was a chance to be able to put a decent secondary, but secondary has been good enough. And the front uh, seven has started to round into shape. Guys have been getting healthy. And uh, I, I think we're going to have, if Wink stays, knock on wood, I think we're going to have a really nasty defense with him ne- next year. We already got Leonard Williams up front. Dexter Lawrence is having like an all-pro year. Thibodeau's coming into his own. Aziz Ojolari has been awesome. And then we don't even have linebackers. And I, like, I feel like you need to have, like, giving Wink a good linebacker in the middle of it all, it's pretty important. And we just don't have one. We have just garbage we're wheeling out there every single week. So it, it's They're just hiding. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. So and you guys, I mean, the thing about the Ravens is you always get worried when you get a Ravens coordinator. It's like it just is it the system or is it the guy? I, I don't even remember the last time the Ravens had a bad defense. Right. It's just, you know, for a prolonged period. So uh, and by the way, that Ravens Super Bowl. That Keith Hamilton holding call was bullshit. Jesse Armstead takes that back. It's a completely different game. I'm not saying they win. I'm just saying they don't lose 34-7. That's all I'm going to yeah, say. Maybe Kerry Collins only throws three picks <laughs> instead of four. <laughs> that was uh, oh, good times when we had you know a trash quarterback and could actually win. Now we have uh, you know Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown while we wait on Lamar to come back. Is this one of those weird years where the Giants are going to like make a Super Bowl run when nobody you know believes in them because they have a great front seven? And like a mediocre quarterback and a good running game. I'm telling you, man, I've been trying to fight that mindset because every Giants fan that I've known since 2007, whenever you know, we start off the net, you know, a year we're 0 2, just like 07. And you know, they we had Eli all those years, Eli's there, and you you would always find a way to talk yourself into it. And there are some parallels. I mean, everyone forgets, and you know, I'm old enough to remember before 07. Everyone wanted Coughlin out of town, and almost everyone wanted Eli out of town before the season started. And Day, I mean, obviously Dable, it's different. He he's new, but Daniel Jones. There, I I started a thing called the Dan Wagon, and it, it was as much to hype myself up about my new quarterback because everyone was so fucking. They were just a bunch of crybabies the night of the draft. Listen, I wanted Josh Allen, the defensive end, or the you know the edge rusher out of Kentucky, and then Daniel Jones in seventeen. I heard enough intel that says the Broncos were definitely drafting Daniel Jones. So I was like, you know what? This is our guy. We drafted him. What's the point of crying about it? So the, uh, the day after the draft, I started the Dan wagon up. I said, this is our guy. I'm riding for him until the wheels fall off. 
There was many times where it looked like the wheels were all over. They exploded. He fumbled them, whatever it wanted, to, whatever you want to say about it. So it does kind of have that weird little feeling where 11 even, it's like, you know, we were with under Coughlin. It was such a different, everything was so buttoned up. And we had just, you look at that 07 team and I'm like, how do, how were we not better quicker? It's, you know, Tuck, Strahan, OC, even the veterans, Pierce in the middle, Madison in the secondary, Corey Webster kind of came out of nowhere to be that like, you know, shut down corner we needed. And then on offense, it's like Plax, Tumor. We had the two-headed running backs. And then Eli kind of just, you know, went on this crazy run. So every time it happened, I'm just like, how the fuck did that just happen? And the, I'm telling you guys, like, I don't want to sound spoiled, but, you know, we, we, we've both seen some Super Bowls in our lives. So I think we, we can agree on this. Like, every single time it would get to December and it's like you're around 500, it's like, all right, guys, this is how it happens. Yep. And like that is I'd rather just be good or bad, because when you're in that middle you're, and I know like Coughlin, we get to the bye week six and two and we either finish the season 10 and six and make a run in the playoffs or we'd finish like seven and uh, seven and nine and be like, what the hell just happened there? Like it was such a complete cluster mindfuck. So uh, I'm I'm hoping that's the case. I do see some similarities. It's just this team. The t- this season was always found money. I thought next season would be the season where we might be able to like get in the mix, but this this would be, I mean, it would make 07 look like, uh, you know, everyone knew it was coming because this would be a complete shock to me. And that's the one that has been riding for this team. I predicted nine and eight before the season, but a lot of that is the AFC South. That was our schedule out of yeah. the conference was AFC South, NFC North. And I was like, oh, we, we have a, a, an easy enough schedule that I think we could go nine and eight. So uh, long story short, uh, I hope so. I don't think so, though. <laughs> yeah, I always, you know, I feel like those two giant Super Bowl teams, um, the 07 and 11 teams, they're so similar to the Ravens 2012 team that won the Super Bowl. Yes. Uh, I always thought that Joe Flacco and, and Eli Manning were pretty similar um, because, you know, they didn't get a whole lot of respect outside of their, their own fan base. People always like the shit on them. But they were two guys who were so clutch, uh, you know, and, and, you know, if they were, if they got into the the playoffs, you never knew it was going to happen. I, you know, I like to do the hypothetical, the 07 hypothetical. Um, is it 07? 11. When, where dumbass. Yeah, the 11, Lee the 11. I'm sorry. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the Lee Evans. So it would have been the giants. Uh-huh. And the, it would have been the giants and the Ravens. So um, I don't know what would have happened that, that year. That would have been like, uh, you know, the, the uh, immovable, Force meeting the, the I'm, I'm going to screw this up. I'm like Dave Portnoy right now. Going to say like the last last bullet in the gun, or gun in the bullet. Uh, but no, it would have been like two identical teams playing each other. Uh, you know, in, in like a game of destiny. Like who knows? Maybe the world would have ended or something. But it would have been zero zero and just them just butting heads in the middle of the field. And I I felt the same way about Flacco too. Like the 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 Joe Cool and all that stuff. It's like it doesn't make sense. And he's this like kind of goofy guy. When push comes to shove, the balls came out. That dude always just put it down on the table and was ready to roll. And I, I, I feel like Flacco, it's Flacco basically beloved there for life. Is, is he? Like, oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the only fans the, that cling to him. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the only the only uh, exception would be like when we played the Jets week one this year. It was like uh, basically everyone wanted him to have like the worst game of his career, but not get hurt. And, and you know, but like every other game, I'm uh, you know if, if Flacco's in, I'm rooting for him. Uh, you know, he he gave us joy for for many years, even though we didn't win multiple Super Bowls. It was a prolonged period of you know competitive. Success. Yeah, I mean he he won I think ten 
10 playoff games. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got an insane playoff resume. If you look at it, like nobody would think unless they looked it up, unless you, you, you know, you're a Ravens fan and you, you live through it and you know it, uh, you would not believe it. If you looked at it, there's the people, the names that he's next to is crazy. Um, and you know, Joe Flacco's Joe Flacco. He's, he was like a, a pretty average quarterback most of the time, but you know, when, when January rolled around, it was a totally different Joe. So I, I, I love that too. I've heard Lee Evans. What a name that just brought me back. That is someone like the dozen, our trivia show on Barstool. That's like the perfect kind of answer. You'll get it. And you're like, Oh, the, it'll be a receiver that had an a thousand yard season. Like, and I'll be like, Oh, I know this guy. I can't get his name. Lee Evans will be an answer on the dozen. Oh, yeah. in the next, I've in seen, the next I think year. one that is very similar to him that has been used at least once, maybe twice is Eric molds. They're all, they were on the same teams. And <laughs> I like, I would get them confused in my head until he came to Baltimore. And, uh, that, Moment. Everybody likes to talk about Billy Cundiff in that game. Billy Cundiff never should have been kicking the fucking field goal. No, so, it should have been an extra point. But yeah, you know, should have been an extra God point. forbid Lee Evans holds onto the fucking ball. I still I, see Sterling more. But we're not. We're not mad at all. The, no, no. Every <laughs> I, time I, I, I every time I hear Lee Evans' name, I get irrationally angry. But you know, I, feel, I feel like the listeners have already smashed their iPods or their computer, oh, yeah. or whatever. Listeners, like they brought up Lee Evans again. God damn it! These Drew guys. recently, yeah, Drew, like I think in the spring, got into a a big argument on Twitter with Tori Smith about Lee Evans. And yeah, we were like, like, I still love Lee Evans. I was like, we were like, no, you you don't. don't. (laughs) We're like, you have to admit it. You're, you're still mad at him. He dropped the fucking ball. Tori Smith. No, we we love all our teammates. Bullshit, Tori. We know you're lying, man, but you know, we get it. You got to say what you got to say. All right. So uh, what are you looking for this week out of the giants with Minnesota? Minnesota is it's a, what time are they playing? That's the number one question. 4.30, 4.30, so we don't okay. have 1 p.m. Kirk. He, there you go. You know, he's not powered by the sun's right. rays like uh, Superman or anything like that. So we have regular old Kirk. And obviously, he won't be flying anywhere when he would throw the grills on whatever he'll be playing at home. So that's that's good juju as well for us. Uh, I mean, they played them three weeks ago. Uh, the Giants were able to pass the ball on them, which is like, if we're able to pass the ball, I know the running game should be able to get it together. If we're able to pass the ball, I'll feel okay. Just just a little more uh, in the repertoire. We have Isaiah Hodgins. We have Ricky James. We have just this scrappy receiving core, which, again, you guys understand what that's about, oh, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> They're all better than James Prochet, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Kenny Gall- Galladay finally had a touchdown this past week, right? I had, like, the best catch of the season, too. Yeah. I'm like, I couldn't believe when I was looking at him. I was like, was that Galladay who just caught that? And that's the guy we signed two years ago. And listen, we were all we wanted. We wanted him. We were all happy when we got him, too. And no one could have saw this coming. And I still don't understand how he could have been so bad, whether it was an attitude thing, a physical thing or just this this G this regime does not play around. I mean, the the fact they just didn't give Tony the rest of the year under a rookie deal, see if they could get something at him. They're just like, we're just going to ship you to KC for a third round pick, no matter how dumb we may look if he, you know, lights it up in the playoffs. Uh, so the fact that we're able to pass against them makes me feel good. And this is the thing. Um, Jefferson killed us in the first matchup, as he does basically everyone. And uh, Hawkinson killed us in the first. They each had over 100 yards. Uh, oh, yeah, Hawkinson yeah. had two touchdowns. Jefferson had one. However, Dory Jackson was out for that game, as was McKinney. So we're getting two guys back. You're figuring we're able to, you know, the safety helps out with the tight end a little bit. Adora, I don't know if he'll be exclusively on Jackson or how they're going to work that. Sometimes you know how they they kind of put the the number two cornerback and the safety help on the number one. That's what Belichick does with a lot of guys. So I feel like the difference in that game was a couple penalties, a dropped interception that would have been huge for us, and then two of our biggest guys are gone now, are, are back now on defense. So I feel, and again, I feel like we the the 
the the front seven has been getting a little better. Kayvon's putting it all together. Um, I think Williams got hurt in the, Leonard Williams got hurt in that game. So I'm I'm feeling really good about it. We've both been disrespected by Vegas all season. Mm-hmm. There was always there was it was always like a point and a half like missing from each team every single week. So we're we're the, we're the same in that case. The only thing I don't like is everyone's picking the Giants right now. And that's the one yeah, thing in those tough. runs, those Super Bowl runs, nobody was picking the Giants. Everyone was picking against the Giants, and then they go out and they win. And it's I, I'd say it's probably 70% I'm seeing Giants versus 30% for the Vikes in terms of the early pick so far. And, I mean, you guys know. Again, we are kind of like distant cousins in that where yeah. you guys are getting disrespected every week, and then, you know, you can't spell, you know, Joe Flacco is elite, just becomes a thing. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of that's probably the Kirk Cousins effect, I would think. Yeah, I was going to say, is, there, is it people picking True. the Giants or is it people picking against Kirk Cousins? <laughs> that's a great point. That man, and that's another guy who's probably going to fall into the same category when it's all said and done as Joe Flacco and Eli Manning, where mm-hmm. he gets clowned all the time. But, I mean, if you we look at his numbers, about this, this week. I mean, I mean, you look at his yeah. numbers, the guy performs. He puts up numbers now. You, if you want to, if you want to get microscopic and look at it on a game by game basis, he has some disgusting performances at times. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. But I mean, I think this year he's he's definitely uh, stepped it up. Like I mean, it, to be fair, it was against Matt Ryan and the Colts, but that thirty three yeah. point comeback or whatever. I mean that you you can't take that away from someone. You if you if you orchestrate the the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL. Um, you know, you deserve credit in the beginning of that game. A lot of the reason they were behind is because he was playing like shit. But, um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan, but I'm also not a Kirk Cousins hater. So I'm just kind of neutral on the guy. And I again, I think it's probably because I spent years defending Joe Flacco against people who just didn't watch him. And, you know, I don't watch Kirk Cousins that much. I don't get the opportunity to, nor do I seek him out. But uh and when you do, it's usually in prime time and he lays an egg and then it yeah. just becomes a little Kirk Cousins. But I, I, he was on Washington. I saw him up close and personal and it was him and RG3 were the two young quarterbacks. And then he ends up becoming the guy just because RG3 got banged up and the whole entire situation blew up in their face, which right. I'm sure Baltimore fans didn't hate seeing. I, you know, I know there is like a little bit of a rivalry. Uh, I live in the thick of it. I live <laughs> I, I live I live closer to D.C. than I do Baltimore. So uh, all my friends, all everybody I'm, I, you know, I see out it's. You know, it, or it before it has it has actually shifted quite a bit. There's a lot of Ravens fans around here now. Um, people are just so tired of Snyder. But um, yeah. back in the in the RG three rookie season, it was like peak insufferability in the the DC area. I mean, because I'm you know they're everywhere, but they're obviously they're they're thick here. So, but these are people who the, the stages of grief with them. It's crazy. <laughs> in, a, in a season, they go in preseason. They think they have the greatest team of all time without fail. Every single season, they think that they have solved all their problems. Their quarterback's going to be good. Everything's going to be great. They're going to make a run. The preseason comes around. They lose one game and people are like losing their minds. And then inevitably, by like the end of September, the team is eliminated essentially from playoff contention. So, uh, you know, you you do see the, the tide shifting with Washington a little bit now. Uh, you know, with people having optimism and hope because, uh, you know, it seems like the ownership's going to change. Yep. But um, yeah, back in 2012, and I, I I remember watching the draft with a bunch of people because it was uh, it was during, you know, it was in my much younger days, I was playing football on Saturdays with the with, with the guys and everything. And we were at the bar afterwards and we're watching and the, and they and this is back 
when the draft was a little bit different, I believe it was set up differently back then. But I remember we, we were sitting there and they took Kirk Cousins. And I was just, I stood up in the bar and was just pointing and laughing at everyone. Like, you just <laughs> took two quarterbacks in the same fucking draft in the first and the third round. What, a, what are you doing? Uh, and, and to me, Kirk Cousins was a smarter pick the entire time. Uh, RG3 always looked like a guy. And, and Drew and I have an ongoing debate about RG3. I, I don't think RG3 was ever. Voted RG3 here. I don't think he was ever very good. Um, you know, I think he was what he was. I don't think he was ever going to develop beyond what he was. Uh, and he, Drew insists it was the injury. Uh, I don't think so. I think he, he showed what he showed his, his ceiling, which was, you know, decently high ceiling. But if you can't get past that, he relied way too much on breaking a big run. And, you know, people are going to try and turn that on me with Lamar Jackson. I don't think Lamar Jackson relies on breaking a big run. He's just able to be evasive and create first downs. Mm-hmm. Whereas RG3 was a guy who was like looking to break an 80 yard run all the time. I remember that that 77 yard touchdown he had against the Vikings in particular was like his signature play in that season. But um, that was an interesting time to be alive down here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, can, I can imagine, man. And I know the obviously you, uh, when was Flacco? When did Flacco arrive? 2008 was his first season. Yeah. yeah. Oh wait. So he's, he's coming all together. And then this guy comes in the, 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 the new toy in town in RG three. And I remember, I think Shanahan was a big fan of cousins. He had said like, Hey, yep. I know you thought he was a great option there. So, and this is the thing about Kirk too. And everyone forgets this. Cause I was having a debate with someone. I was talking to someone about cousins. I think before the first Vikings team, like, Oh, you know, the bright lights, he'll never win a playoff game. I go, Kirk Cousins went to New Orleans and won a playoff game. That, right. that, that, that's not easy to do. And, uh, you know, that's something he did. So that's why I, I, I'd love to say up, you know, the, play, the bright lights of the playoffs are on. Kurt's just going to lay a dump. I don't think that's going to be the case. I also don't know what my quarterback looks like in, in the big spot, right? This is Daniel Jones' first playoff game. So that's a little concerning. Um, I will say I watched some of those old Duke games, and he is just carrying dogs i mean he is yeah yeah, there was one game i think he went to miami and he just by the end of the game he's just covered in dirt and blood and whatever and they they won the game and it's you know with a bunch of accountants and you know future politicians basically and that's why i I, i'm dying to see if daniel jones has that has that dog in him as the kids say because that was the one thing i remember reading about eli manning because i don't follow college football too closely but i remember Corsi's scouting report it's like this kid went out undermanned with old miss in the sec every single week. And he always like had his team there and, you know, he would win, you know, big games on the road here and there undermanned. And it's like, if you want to know why you're drafting Eli Manning, you're drafting, you know, you're drafting his balls basically. And right. that's the same kind of thing. If Daniel Jones kind of has that, all I hear about Daniel Jones um, from like hearing about what the players think about him. It's like, that's the hardest worker there. He's a great teammate. He's just someone who, you know, works his ass off and, and cares about it. So I feel like, we have a chance. I'm never going to put him in the same, you know, the the E word. I'm never going to bring up with him until he brings home two Super Bowls against the greatest uh, football dynasty I'll ever see. But I'm hoping I have a guy that, you know, just is tough. And that's kind of, you know, even Phil Sims. Phil Sims was the other guy. He, you know, he had a Super Bowl here. He they didn't know that he was injured for the second one in, in Super Bowl 25. But like the Giants never have these flashy quarterbacks, but they have guys that just like, Go, they grind. You know, those Giants teams in the 80s were good. They won a ton of games. And it's Sims, it's it's Eli, and I, I'm hoping it's going to be Daniel Jones here. And it'll be – this is like a huge first test for him that, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys in this team that have never played in a playoff game. Saquon hasn't played in a playoff game. Andrew Thomas, our stud left tackle, hasn't played in a playoff game. I mean, I'm just going through the defense. I mean, I don't think anyone on the defense has played in a playoff game that's like a, a very big piece. Jihad Ward, 
Jihad Ward, that's another guy that that's we have to like too. We like you guys have to love Jihad Ward. We do. Oh, of course. That's yeah, a big, big Jihad guy. Yeah. <laughs> Drew, Drew was trying to recruit him back, and I, I think he actually responded to you and like made it almost seem like he was like he was going to sign here. He responded to me with eyeball emojis, which yeah. pisses me off because yeah. they have no meaning. And I was all excited. I was like, holy shit, I got him to come back to Baltimore. It's a deadly just, weapon on like, Twitter. Eyeball yeah. emojis. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Oh, it's such a tease. The eyeball emojis. Yeah. Uh, Jihad Ward they, and Adoree Jackson. Those are the two guys I can think of that are big parts of the defense and Jalen Smith. But it's like that. there's a lot of people who are – this is their first time and everything's faster. Or it hits harder. I'm not even ready. Guys, it's been six years since I've been watching a playoff game with something on the line here. And I know that feeling where everything feels like it's going fast. Every And listen, when you have the quarterbacks like Joe Flacco and Eli Manning – Every single throw feels like it could be an interception any given time, you know? That's the thing. We, like, people don't know. We went through it the hardest, man. We had quarterbacks that we loved and that came through, but we also knew they could do some dumbass stuff at the absolute worst of us. Well, like, now you got Geno Smith is like, you know, an MVP candidate, and you guys (laughs) had him him slip through your fingers. We benched Eli for him. That was the first time Eli got benched for his Ironman streak because they wanted to give Geno Smith a shot, like, Five years into his career, that was like the dumbest move of all time. And that's kind of the reason they tripled down and everything. And it caused like another five years of grief. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good for Gino. I hope the Niners kill him because I have the Niners going far in every like pick that I've made. Basically, right. <laughs> didn't. So I, is it, uh, I can't I can't do it. Yeah, that, w- this this is an anti Kyle Shanahan pod. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I cannot stand him. Uh, he's but, killed so many fantasy teams of mine because I picked the wrong running back. It's oh, awesome. yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fucking running backs. Yeah. So Daniel <laughs> Jones, though, isn't bad. isn't Daniel Jones like an, a Manning family acolyte, like the David Cutcliffe tree of yep. uh, quarterbacks? So like, yeah, I mean, he's going to have a lot of those same. Well, at least the the foundation that uh, that Eli and Peyton had. He doesn't have the pedigree that they have, obviously. But, um, you know. This is going to be a good test for him. And and are you looking? I mean, he didn't get his. He did not get a fifth year option exercise. Didn't didn't they? Yeah. So not he's pick that be, up. He's a free agent after the year. Uh, Boomer Esiason, who does talk, some talk radio down here up uh, in New York, he was saying how it sounds like they're pretty close. And I I think he's he's not going to be like, oh man, I finally got a coach that likes me, blues in me, and a system that works. I'm going to go start you know from scratch somewhere else. Which if he did, I'd be like, good for you, dude. Yeah. I, and I'll be rooting for him wherever he goes. Uh, but he is a, a Manning Academy acolyte, and I, I like the pedigree thing. I'm not 100 percent sold that. I don't know if you guys remember that picture of viral a few years ago, but it was him and Eli like practicing together, and you honestly couldn't tell which one was which. I'm convinced Archie made Daniel Jones in like a lab using <laughs> Eli's DNA and like mixed it with like a little bit of like a tight end so he could run a little bit. Right, and that's going to be that's our it. bridge between Arch Manning coming to the Giants. Oh, uh, there we go. Yeah, Eli's son. Like we're sick and twisted, man. Trust me, we, we're crazy story. people. We just want all the. We want to become like the Manning pipeline, where we just get yeah. all the Mannings from now until the end of time after we saved Eli from San Diego, which would have been a disaster. Oh, yeah. I don't care if Eli. Yeah, you would have had uh, Ben oh. Roethlisberger. Imagine yes. Ben Roethlisberger running wild in New York City. That would have been uh, bad for all the residents there. So yeah, oh, a hundred. And I, I'm sure we'll we can agree on that. You know, me and the Ravens guys will definitely agree. Everyone talks about Roethlisberger. It's like, well, the Giants weren't going to draft Rivers. They were going to draft Roethlisberger, and he, you know, won a couple Super Bowls. It's like, yeah, he won a couple Super Bowls, and he got arrested in Pittsburgh, where I hear it's like a college town, where it's like, oh, you know, hey, the cops will take care of you if they find something. You know, like it's a little yeah. more, you know, we'll sweep a little things more laid back. And also, yeah, and also in a college town in Tennessee, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, like, he literally can't can't 
get out of his own – couldn't get out of his own way. I think he's doing all right now. Yeah, uh, he's, but he's, he's doing his life over to God or whatever he said. <laughs> Meanwhile, we had Plexico, who was a Super Bowl hero, shot himself with his own gun, and they threw the book at him. And he's like, I just shot myself. Yeah. And that killed our entire, like, our little mini run we had there between 07 to, like, 10, I think we had. And then we kind of regrouped for 11. So, yeah, Big Ben would have been a dis- – I mean – I honestly think Big Ben would have been done here in five years, Max. The only way his career went the way it went is the way it did go. Pittsburgh was the only place that that was going to work. Anywhere in the middle of nowhere, I think he would have been fine. But, you know, somewhere like I just mean his skill set and and just the way everything fell into place there. uh, The support system, too, I think. I feel like if you're going – I mean, you guys probably hate how they're just always – I hate the Eagles. It's like – they're always going to be good. They might have a down year here and there, but they'll mm. always just be a pain in your butt. Fucking Pittsburgh hasn't had a down year in, in 16 years. <laughs> Dude. Tomlin's never finished ever under 500. When they didn't finish under 500 after changing the name of Heinz Field, I've officially given up. I was betting. I, I was so on the under for Pittsburgh just because of that oh. alone. I'm a juju guy as much. I, I don't. The Clint, exes, my, I'm Clint, an idiot. I married a, a Steelers fan and we're divorced now. Oh, so okay. do you know how badly and and it's all happened during this run. And I'm like, at some point, can can these motherfuckers just give my ex-wife one season where it's not fun to watch the Steelers. Just one. <laughs> Fucking spoiled. Oh, uh, well, now we yeah. both hate George Pickens too, so we have more rooting interest. In uh, yeah, I don't so. think that I, I, I'm sure Clem is not uh, on the the anti Pickens bandwagon like we are. Uh, I think we may be. That's also really, Grant's fault. It's really just like we're the only people. We we yeah. hate him mainly not even because of him. It's 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 uh, like. It's like a residual hatred that we have because of other people. So you know how that goes. That's fair. I I, I was a big Carl Pickens fan growing up because I had Jeff Blake in fantasy. You guys probably you guys have to know Carl Pickens just because uh, that's AFC. Yeah. That was probably AFC Central back then, not even AFC North like it is mm-hmm. now. So uh, yeah, George Pickens. Hey, you know, screw it. I'll get on the hate train. This is a team player. All right. <laughs> a team yeah. player. So like th- this is actually a good segue. All right. So. Clem and I, we have we have to work out some differences that we had in the in the uh, in the late fall. Okay, yep. we had we had a temporary rebuke issued by me because Clem decorated his house for, or I don't know that you did decorate your house. You were just okay with other people decorating their houses oh, for Christmas right after right after Halloween. Particularly, yes. this was Chaps did it, and this was on Podfathers. We're going to get into podfathers here <laughs> this is our our gateway but so so chaps decorated his house for for christmas because uh he was gonna have to travel for thanksgiving it was like this whole this whole uh like circular logic by chaps to put his fucking christmas decorations <laughs> up early now it was one of these things where he was sort of appeasing his wife too i think because i think that maybe they're yes. planning on moving and it's like they're so you know there's there's other factors that i may be able to forgive but i'm a man of principle and uh every year i i you know repurpose the same blog i wrote a couple years ago and it's it's shaming people who celebrate christmas too early it's uh you know it's paying tribute to people who who uh honor thanksgiving and who uphold the tradition and who uh you know stand guard over its, uh, you know, uh, over its importance, and you were one of the people who was featured as, uh, you know, a, a soldier for the for for the bird, and you betrayed me this year. So I would like you to apologize right now. I'm sorry that I offended you. I'm oh my gosh! I'm not going to apologize for doing it though. You realize how I said that? So I'm sorry oh, so for easy. offending you. I will not apologize for what I did. I have to admit, 
and this, I don't want to get like on a downer note, but it's the truth. After 2020, after COVID, I said, you know what? If they want to decorate for Christmas a little early to bring joy in their lives, fucking do it, man. My brain hasn't been right in like the last three years. I'm like, just throw some, if you want to throw some fucking decorations on, play some music. At this point, I got a four-year-old kid. He's like, he's like crazy about Christmas now. And as soon as he's like yelling at my wife to get the Halloween decorations out, then he's yelling at her to take him away once Halloween's done. And I have to admit, I'm a guy here who my wife is the one who decorates and now she goes up on the roof. She does all that. I just sit back, watch, you know some giants highlights and stuff like that. So if she wants to decorate the the weekend after Halloween, who am I to say no? I was also just appeasing chaps. Like I'm not going to convince chaps that he's wrong. So I'm like, all right, that sounds good. This is the thing though. I still respect the bird. I was eating, I was eating my Thanksgiving sandwiches and wraps all, all month. Long I thought, but I thought I was personally offended by that because you, you, you were, uh, you were speaking out of both sides of your mouth. Uh, you know, of, you can't do that. Of but, course I uh, but so I will say in, in the blog, I do, uh, I do mention that if the logic is after 2020, if people wanted some joy in their life, I actually say that that's fine. Except that one of the people, one of my, my very good friends, my best friend, he, uh, when I wrote the blog was 2020. So he was like, Hey, will you come over and help me put my Christmas lights up? And it was like fucking November 7th or something. I was like, suck my dick. I'm not going to come over and help you put your fucking (laughs) Christmas lights up. He's like, but uh, it's a perfect way for people to feel better about the pandemic. I was like, bitch, you've been doing this for your whole life. You, now you're gonna you're gonna use the pandemic as a reason. That's mad. That's not that's right. Don't, up. Right. That's, that's manipulating yeah. people. Yeah. What do they call it? They're, that's that's pandemic appropriating, right? Yeah, you can't right. appropriate a pandemic. No, we can't do that. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, Clem, then you you and I. It's he's it's still squashed. your best friend for this. Oh, uh, forever. Yes. You rebuked me, and he's still your best friend, and he's well, been doing it your whole he, life. He How is he your best friend? I mean, he, he gets, did call him Al Qaeda on this podcast. Uh, okay. One of our yeah. co-hosts put up a fake tree. I know, it was like the second week of November, and Will went on a, you know, two three minute rant, saying everybody who decorates early should go in Guantanamo Bay and Al Qaeda oh, yeah. and terrorism. So. I feel strongly. I feel yeah. strongly. <laughs> That's very, the other thing, Will. Nice. I I didn't know you felt nearly as strongly about that. And then, like after like the fifth back and forth, I was like, yeah, this this guy he's standing guard for this. Very. Yeah. So I am sorry if I offended you. I will apologize for absolutely nothing that was done next year. I can't promise what my stance will be. I can't promise what my house will look like on November 1st, November 25th. I, whatever the heck uh, Thanksgiving folds this year. I don't know what it'll look like. I just know that uh, I, it's more of a fluid situation. And listen, I'm also a sucker for this. Mariah puts out the video every year at midnight yeah, after Halloween. And then she says well, it's Christmas time. That's just her trying to light, light, line her own pockets with more money. Cause she's like the queen of Christmas now, but it always does get me like, all right, let's rock and roll. We'll throw she's some- like, she's the Bobby Bonilla of Christmas. Hey, I worked man, you don't say the B name around here. <laughs> I'll bring up Lee Evans. I'll throw him around yeah. throw the L yeah. name around. You want to say Bonilla around, right? You know, you actually, you're a beneficiary of another thing that I love. Buck Showalter. Yes. Yeah. That, me and Baltimore, I feel like have a very good relationship. And every Baltimore per- fan I know, I feel like we're pretty. I mean, I hate the Yankees. You guys hate the Yankees, of course. Right? Well, <laughs> Drew, well, Drew, I'm, a, I'm a Red Sox fan. Yeah, Drew's so from Boston. Boston. You really hate the Yankees, yeah? yeah. Oh, so that's really perfect. Hate the and so you I, have my childhood hero move on for a couple of years. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, Mo, that was the old Mets. That was a, that was those were some rough times. I mean, me and yeah. Orioles fans are cool. I the Mets. I call it the Mets Sox connection. We are brothers in hatred, right there. Is is, oh, is where yeah. it's born from. So yeah, we love having Buck here. He's been absolutely incredible, and it's like it's been so long. It's like going from having like no parents in the house to having like a dad that knows you, loves you, cares about you, and is like the smartest guy in the block and fix right. anything. I'm just like. 
I, I honestly was at the point where I had listened to all the hot takes about managers not really meaning anything anymore. It's all the analytics nerds pulling all the strings. And then I saw Buck Schultz. I'm like, oh, no, there are still managers in baseball. And there we are have, like, some. Yes. One of the best. <laughs> yeah, You'll grow to hate him when he's on his like fifth pitching change in the ninth inning when you're up by 12 runs. But you know. yeah, the, the Jimenez, uh, you know, Toronto game. I, I, this was this was definitely a dozen question. Uh, not all that long ago. I don't know if it was a, a match that you were in, but it was um, it's a question about who hit the walk off home run in that game. And I wanted to throw a fucking uh bourbon through the tv screen I, but, I don't want to tell you this but um there was an old hot we did a thing called highlights without rights where we used to just act in front of a green screen oh, I, I saw and it i don't was in what i was uh edwin escobar <laughs> so I, I apologize yeah no, I, yeah no i i am a a, a uh long i'm a, a long time stoolie actually the i got into barstool it's probably in 2010 it was right around when kevin started and so I, I used to get the paper, so I went. That's old, yeah. yeah that's the OG. Right. That's Boston that's stuff. Very, right there. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, so the the one the one blog I remember, it's probably lost in the dev nest uh, purge. <laughs> but uh, I used to do a job where I was in. Uh, I would be in the room. I was not a lawyer, but I was in the room for depositions. And so I'd be in there, and I'd just be in the back of the room, and I have like my laptop open and doing whatever I need to do. And so I'm just in the room. You got to be fucking invisible. I'm reading Barstool basically like eight hours a day in this room while people are giving testimony. And I read this blog that Kevin wrote, and it was about um, a guy in Russia who had he, he must have been on like PCP or something. But somebody had recorded a video of him out their window, and he was just naked in an alley, like laying on top of a car, jerking off. And I was like crying, laughing, but like pretending I was coughing the whole time. And I was like, uh, I, I think I'm going to have to like read this website every single day and it's 12 years later and I, or 13 years later now. And, uh, you know, still going strong. So, Oh my God. That's, yeah, and I'm sure girl, that's like, it's a sim- that's a similar story to a lot of how a lot of people got into barstool. I mean, yeah, yeah, work half and- naked chicks on, yeah, half naked chicks on a newspaper that some guys handed you for free. Like you can't say no to that. Yeah. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Question as it, as it stands, the last episode of Podfathers, it was left that it is uh, on an indefinite hiatus. Now, some developments have happened recently. I saw Captain Khan's announced yesterday, I believe, yep. that he's going to be a dad. Um, he's obviously, for the most part, all he does is podcasts with Barstool. Yeah. Uh, yep. So what are the chances we see a revival in some in some form soon, relatively? Someone said we should have a special episode for cons because cons having a baby. I said we could never give cons a special episode. That's too much for his ego. I don't need to do that. Yeah, you can't honor him that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had talked about this with Large, and I think Large might have said someone um talking to someone. I do think we'll end up doing something with it again in the near again. That's why I said hiatus, not canceled, whatever. Yeah. It's just I think we have to figure out what we want to do. I don't know if just like when we started it, podcasts were like still kind of on the rise. Yep. Now I feel like podcasts, it's so saturated. It's like, I don't know how much it was going to, you know, keep growing. And then it's like you're dealing with and Barstool just grown to this whole other beast now. Yep. So I'm thinking, but I do think there's clearly a market for it. There's clearly people who are going through the same stuff, who are going to be going through the same stuff. And then my favorite people, the people who are like, I'm 22, don't have a kid, don't even have a 
girl or a guy who I even have interest in having a kid with. But I just like hearing you guys talk. I'm like, you guys are the best. But I think it's just such a market. We are, we have a good social presence. Um, and everyone, everyone Barstool's fucking and just having kids like Hans. Uh, yeah. He's having a kid. Yep. Uh, I even Megan making money. We did the rundown with her today and she hit me up afterwards. And she's like, hey, I'd love to do something. You know, if you ever need a girl for some sort of podfather stuff, I'd love to come on. So we have a ton of parents who are, you know, all funny, original. I just figure we have to figure out a way that makes it work. Um for the like, I I don't I don't know what it is. I'm not smart enough to know what it is. I only reason I was on Podfather is because Kevin asked me to be on it. So, right, right. Um, as soon as someone comes up with an idea of how to bring it back, it'll come back. And so I you're think, saying basically that, that that you could sell it. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's the other thing too. I think we need to have the sales that or the sales team just sells it, and then I'll just do whatever they tell me to do. How fucking hard can it be to sell a parenting podcast? Will, to Will they uh, couldn't sell the case this year. They couldn't sell season two of the case. That's pretty crazy. I mean, yeah, I just but like, but I'm just talking, about, Barstool, well, but, I'm just talking about the demographic here of Barstool fans. Is you know, it's people who a lot of them started with Barstool when they were in their early 20s or even yeah. their late teens, but now they're all 30 or in their 30s, and it's a lot of people who have aged into the the bracket of of having kids and relating to content like that, and by far you guys had the most, you know, relatable podcast. I mean, it's a perfect, perfect uh, mesh point of barstool and parenting. Perfect. And like, especially when large came in because large has the the benefit of, you know, age and uh, experience, a much different experience than, than most people who are in this, you know, this space because most people are just in it. And, you know, obviously chaps too, having lived three different lives at this point uh, <laughs> from a, a preacher, who uh who taught Sunday school to uh Purple Heart to now he's you know writing blogs about uh pumpkins that look like they have uh gaping assholes. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it, it was always one of those things. And you said with large too, that was such a good thing. Whenever we got questions, we would get like mailbag questions. And I was would actually be like, I can't wait to hear what Large says about this because probably what I'm going to do whenever this hits me, and he'd be like, yeah. Oh, you know, when I was, they, you know, my kids turned five, blah blah blah. I was like, Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to write that one down. But you know, as someone that like even me, I work for Barstool. I work for Barstool now for shoot eight years. It's going to be nine years next year um, or later this year. It's like I, I don't want to say I'm aging out of it, but there's definitely stuff where. I'm going to lose touch with what some of the 20 somethings here are talking about. I hope not the 30 somethings yet, but it's like, I'm just at a different speed. I have less time to consume whatever I can. And it's you kind of like hearing stuff that's going on in your life. If I'm listening to, you know, people that are talking about partying or, you know, living this crazy life, it's like, that means nothing to me. It's like my music. My music has basically stayed the same. I'm still with my generation here. So I'd love to, I, I do think so. And I do think someone will come back. Cause it's like, to be honest with you, the biggest reason why we kept it going during like the pandemic when things were, you know, people were locked in their houses, you know, at Barstool and they might have like lived in a one bedroom or lived with roommates. I was stuck here. I got a wife working. I have two kids that were, you know, one was in uh, school. The other, I guess, was in preschool, if you want to even call whatever he was doing there. And it's like I had no time for anything. And we still pumped out the episodes and it was because it sold. So I, if it sells, I definitely think I'll come back. And I do think when the um, when half the office or whatever it's going to be when a, when a chunk of the office goes out to Chicago and they're going to be probably a lot more sports driven and maybe content driven. I don't know, but I do think there will be like a gap for people to do stuff. And I would think there's a good chunk of us. I think if Kate's still around me, large Kevin, um, 
I mean, Casey, you know, whatever. All these people who are who are parents will be around, have kids. Smitty's in Philly. Um, and people are still fucking, they'll have kids in the meantime. Th- that will then hopefully lead to it coming back. So I'd love to see it come back. Um, and I, I truly like I wouldn't have said if 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 I didn't think there was a chance it could come back, I would I wouldn't have said hiatus. It's just a dick thing yeah. to do. So. Right. Well, it was it broke my heart the first time you guys were like, This is it. It's like, what the fuck? And they that pulled it out on us. So that abrupt. was out of the blue. That was out of the blue. They they told me like, hey, we're getting rid of your uh, producer and like we're just gonna basically be done with the show. And then we hit them up like a week later and was like, Oh, can we still do the show? We'll just like produce it ourselves and yada yada yada. And they're like Sure. And we cut, we kept it going. We had some ads. And then once like it was getting too much, I had gotten a new position at Barstool. Large had a bunch of other stuff. He was always traveling. Chaps was doing a bunch of stuff and there was no ads and no other resources. It was just like, you know what? Let's just put a pause, hit the pause button on this until, you know, something else opens up in the future. And again, I, you said it, dude. I think there is a is there is a market for it. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know what that market is or how to like get into it. But uh, you know, I always remember the ads we were getting, and I'm like, man, if I was just listening to this, these are the perfect ads for me. You know, fire pits in the backyard, yep, yep. and you know, stuff like that. Well, so. stuff. And any <laughs> of the foreplay stuff would be perfect for that. You know, anything to escape your family. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's that's really like the that's that's the elephant pitch for Podfathers. Like you know, yeah. here, this is a po- a podcast to tell you exactly how to like uh you know still enjoy your life while having uh, this is a family. For our and, miser- this is a normal this is fucking person. Are, this is for fathers who are miserable twelve hours a day and need that you know two hour release. And this is yeah. you know we sell them, sell them well, stuff to get away from it. I went in like a two week span. I would wake up on I believe on. Tuesdays and Wednesdays or Wednesdays and Thursdays. I can't remember now because now it's been a month and a half or two months, but it was like the day Portnoy show one day and then pop bothers the next day because I do like a two hour dog walk every morning. Um, And it's like, what the hell am I going to do now? I got to listen to fucking music. (laughs) I'm I'm four. I'm 41 years old. I've already heard all these songs a million times. Like you said, my my music doesn't change at this point. So, yeah, you know, it's like uh, now I'm having to branch out a little bit. But, you know, that's not a bad thing. You guys got plenty of content coming out. I'm in the same boat, too. Like, I'm a big I'm a big football podcast guy during the season and, you know, in the offseason, too. But it doesn't hit the same and it's not as it's not as often. So this is going to be the first year where I think I've trimmed my podcast down a little. Um, it's going to be I'm going to have some some time to fill right now. And I I, I turn on the music. It'll get me a day or two. And then I'm just like, all right, I got to I've heard these songs a million times already. So I'm with you. So uh, yep. maybe I'll, I'll throw that as a bullet point as well. These people are doing dog walks. We can't just throw them back to just listening to music. We got to get some some original content out into the eardrums. Yeah, exactly right. I appreciate that. You should just screenshot Will's like depressed tweets while the Ravens are playing and then say like, <laughs> we're saving, we're saving people like this. If we put yes, out the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. See if I did, if, if, if I didn't have to tweet about the Ravens, if, if I had you guys, I could be engaging with actually uh father's day, 2019 father's day, 2019. I sent you guys a story. I DM'd it to you and you had a live read and reaction because it was, I took my daughter to a, um, zip lining um park and she was too she was too little she was just like probably six months too young and she had a fucking meltdown on the zip lines in the middle like in the middle of the fucking zip line so i'm like what the hell am i supposed to do so then i had to like 
summon some like you know climber over to come get her and bring her down and then i'm like we're leaving because we can't do this anymore and then i had to carry her out over my shoulder and she's screaming so it looked like i was like kidnapping her it was was disturbing it was truly disturbing so when it looks like you're kidnapping your own kid is one of the most (laughs) awkward it's like a little bit of a rush but it's also just like horrifying at the same point and you're like hoping you don't get a like legitimate oh yeah yeah, uh, and it, you know it's Father's Day, so it's June. So it was and it's Father's Day. Right, it was Father's Day. Yeah, too. so it was oh, like was oh, it was like a packed, packed house, and there, and I'm just doing this walk of shame with this screaming four and a half year old kid. So you, you know what though, you gave those dads one of the best presents in the world because they said, oh. "There's nothing better when it's not your kid." Yeah, and there's a kid out there like my kid's not screaming, and everything is good because it could be so much worse. Like that poor son of a bitch is dealing with right now. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I I had I had a couple times where my my stories were uh were you know part of your your show so it was you know I, I hope it comes back it is one of my favorites um so you know do what you got to do but I I need that back in my life I appreciate that and that's kind of the my my whole thing with it um when when it got canceled or even when we were just talking about continuing to do it it's like it's just as much for the community because we all just kind of do it together it's like dude. This thing is the hardest thing I've ever done by far. It'll be the hardest thing any of us ever do, I think. You know, hopefully, you know, you know, nothing crazier worse right. than that. Chaps, uh, you know, I had, I had one thing that was kind of tough that I had to do at one point in life that was <laughs> a little harder than this. But um, it's like it really is like a community. You kind of, you know, you, you go through the things. You you kind of feel like you know each other just hearing the stories, though, you know, even the people writing in. And you kind of have you kind of just grow with this. Uh, it's kind of like one big community. So be nice if Barcel wants to bring that up, uh, bring it back. But we'll see. Uh, we have new overlords coming in too, so we have Penn coming on at some point in the near future. So yeah, we'll see end of February, uh, right? Yeah, that's well, that's what well, it sounds da- like. Guess what? Dad's gambler. I can tell you that that's, firsthand. That's, so. that's true. I go to. Um, I, I don't know how many people if this is a common thing, but I feel like there is a group of us, like the Saturday morning sports. My kid, I drop him off at gymnastics, and he's out tumbling, and I'm just looking at the lines. Like yep. I'll be putting together my playoff parlay on Saturday, yep. and oh, yeah. my, my my guy, I'll be doing his thing, wow. and I'll just be you know scouring, seeing the first touchdown scores and stuff like that. Right. I feel like that is a very like common thing across because all the other kids are still sleeping. Saturday mornings. Yeah. Tuesday yeah. mornings and Saturday mornings are our prime parlay time. Yeah. <laughs> I like that parlay yeah. time. <laughs> I heard um I actually heard when so last Monday, um, Large was the uh the KFC radio, you know, inside Barstool guest. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing that every Monday. And Kevin actually said, like unprompted said, you know, we'll find a way to get poppers back. So I think I I don't know this new structure, but it sounds like Kevin's gonna be heavily involved in the direction of uh what's going on in New York. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, I Kev is one of the. I think uh, almost everyone will tell you he's always been like one of the people that he always helps has helped me out. But I always felt like he was kind of my guy, or I was his guy because I was working with him way back when when we were just cities. So Kev's always been a guy that has helped out, and I think he'll probably enjoy that role if he wants to take it. I mean, again, he has the kids and and all the other stuff he does. That guy has like a thousand different projects at any given yeah. moment. But right. I I hope he does kind of take that role. And again, I, that's I, I remember Larch had told me about that too. He said, you know, Kev said we'll try to get Podfathers back, and I'm like. All right, man. If if anyone can can help lead the charge, it's him. So, uh, you know, knock on wood, Kev helps uh, that. And I think just in general, he's been such a he's been such like a resource for people's careers and and with content and stuff like that. So uh, hopefully, he can kind of take that role because it's like it's going to be a whole lot of transition in the near future. 
Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch really. Yeah. Um, just the fact that Barstool went from being this like uh, pure chaotic, uh, you know, it was like, it, it was like the big throwing bang. Throwing wallets at blind kids, throwing blind wallets yeah. at blind kids in a fucking dentist office. In right. to, uh, it was just like, like Dave Portnoy's <laughs> brain exploded and whatever came out of it, uh, you know, you just do it. But it's like, now you're seeing all this, organization and like just things sort of like it, I, you never I, I never would have imagined when like I said when I started reading this thing 12 years I ago not, that would look I didn't the way think it does now well I don't think I don't know and I I know that uh that Clem and, and Dave are our dozen partners so he certainly would never uh say anything to slander Dave and then we, <laughs> we are by no means a negative uh, a Dave Portnoy anti-Dave Portnoy oh, uh, podcast here yeah. so um but I don't know that Dave is like uh you know pioneering the the directions i think you I mean, know, he, he, he does what he does he's a, he's a, he's a force of nature but hmm. um there are, that's why you hire people very smart people to make these decisions and to put the wheels in motion for this shit so i think once the churn people came on and then once he found erica and saw who she was and how they clicked i think he's like this is how i get my brain to get me all that money i've been dreaming of this entire time and he kind of linked it Yep, yeah. we linked it together. Oh, yeah. And my my friend compared it when we moved to New York at first for HQ. He said it was like Wayne's World. It's like this little thing that you love, yeah. and it's kind of just this old chaotic thing. And then it's getting like blown up, and you know, a little corporate around it and stuff like that. But in a good way to to go from there. So it's uh, like ECW. <laughs> yes, ECW. Oh man, the best, the absolute best. Yeah. And hopefully you guys don't end up getting uh, acquired by Saudi Arabia ultimately. So the fact Dave never didn't sell us to Saudi Arabia, I think, is actually kind of pretty pretty like an upset almost. Like like just like or never was even rumored to. I like that the chaos of Barstool. I could see that being like a blog title like from like ten years ago. Like no, it's not true. I'm not selling to the Saudis. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a little bit of Vince McMahon in in Dave. Absolutely, yeah. Actually, I tweeted this earlier. I wish I had it, but in 1999 when I was a a junior in high school, I wrote a paper in my honors political theory class. No big deal. No, nice. Not Tip to brag. Honors. Uh, uh, and it was comparing Vince McMahon to Machiavelli. And now that paper, I got an A plus in the paper. And I and I will tell you that uh, I got mostly B's through. Like I, I was so like a straight three. I was a straight three like <laughs> low low effort student. But I got an A plus on this because my I had some passion behind it. But if I wish I could go talk to that teacher now and be like, what do you think? I should get like like extra credit now as a 41-year-old because everything I said, Vince McMahon is officially Machiavelli now with this move, yes. selling to fucking Saudi Arabia. Yes. I mean, this is crazy. What, what, a, what a crazy turn of events. But yeah, I, I, I don't Dave think that's going Dave still might sell rigs and foreplay to live golf. I wouldn't put that out of... Uh, <laughs> well, uh, yeah. notoriously, Riggs did make a, a weird comment to... Uh, to Lindsey Pellis on on Twitter, didn't he say something? something? He 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 had a tweet one time that got him in big trouble. With Lindsey Pellis said uh, yeah. something like how, how much or something like that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I, I, it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Rig, Riggs has been on that live golf Saudi Arabia shit for a while. You know, <laughs> Dave yeah. selling an employee in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I, I mean, could, I could hey. definitely see it. One or two bad business ventures later, you never know what could happen. So uh, I'm hoping it's I not going to be. I mean, if the made. watches, if the watches keep going the way they are, you yeah, can sell Rick's to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Clem's got like three brick watches off, off camera. 
Yep, yep. I, Put them I up on eBay right after we get off the podcast. The kids don't have That's to right. go to college. This te- these things tell time better than anything else tells time. <laughs> he's wearing what? He's wearing two on each wrist right now. As we talk. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Clem, we really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us tonight. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and um, you know, if you guys reboot Podfathers, you know, you you give me a call. I'll be there anytime you want. All right, consider it done, my friend. I'm gonna be like you said. If the you Giants make a, if, if it's a Giants Ravens Super Bowl, I think we have to reconvene. Oh, for sure, yeah. no for doubt. Sure. We may have to do it in person on that at, at that point because that is uh, that means we are both living in like on cloud nine at that point. So yeah. uh, consider it yeah. done, and like you said, it will be a, a a matchup of two very similar fan bases and franchises in terms of the recent history. So thanks for having me, boys. It was an absolute blast. All right, we're back. I was Clem from Barstool. Uh, great talking to him. He, I think, fit right in around here. Uh, he, he, he obviously gets what we do. Um, we, we found some common ground with, with him as a Giants fan, and hopefully everybody enjoyed that. I know we enjoyed talking to him. What do you think, Drew? Well, I mean, I just, you know, 2007 and 2011 ruining Patriots fans' lives. Uh, I will always be grateful to the Giants for existing for that. And he yep. is right. We're kind of like similar teams of, you know, we're sort of that, uh, you know, gritty defense first kind of, you know, offense scratches by and win games, and then all of a sudden you go on playoff runs. It's uh, you know very similar fan base, very similar games that you know both teams play. So, and I enjoy talking to it too. Like it, it's funny seeing the difference between like a you know a professional podcaster, a guy who's been doing it for you know almost ten years, versus like who we normally talk to, where we're just not professional podcasters. We're just kind of uh, drunk idiots that sort of get on a mic and give our opinions. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was a good time. Uh, so. Hopefully more of that to come. And, you know, we're wishing uh, Clem and the Giants well uh, going into the playoffs. And unless, of course, we end up meeting in the Super Bowl and then they can suck our dicks. Yeah. But, um, well, and plus, if we play them in the Super Bowl, then, um, you know, our, our founder, Chibs, and his uh, woman, that'll be, a, you know, fun, fun back and forth to watch on the Internet. So good point. Good point. Um, yeah. yeah. So. All right. Let's get into what what happened last week. So coming out of the, the Monday night game, uh, we did sort of gloss over it before the interview but um you know they had to they had to figure out what was going to happen with two teams that played one less game each that game itself was huge i mean the the that was easily so the 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 bengal's had what what you know everyone's calling their easy stretch to start the season and then they're and they played like shit for the they record. played terribly Those, right uh, we we had a commanding lead in the division and uh they had chase was out for a month Yep. And uh, you know they 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 I think they lost a couple, but they 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 survived that. And then when they came out of that month without Chase, we lost Lamar. So then the the division turned into uh, you know a battle. And them going into that game week seventeen against the Bills was uh, for them a huge game because if they won the game, then they were they had a, a you know a chance at the number one seed. They would have needed the Chiefs to to pretty much shit the bed but they had a, they had an outside chance at it they could have obviously leapfrogged the bills if they beat them um but what happened happened the game was stopped it never was restarted and the NFL decided that the best way to handle that was like i said um they automatically get the AFC North title and uh for our troubles then if we're able to beat them in the game that should have been for the AFC North title then we would get a 50-50 shot at hosting the playoff game this week if we were matched up in the playoffs. As it turns out, we are matched up that way in the playoffs, but we lost last week. We 
Well, and if we won, we wouldn't have been matched up with them in the playoffs. Well, the Broncos won. You're so right. We would have. Yeah, you're so right. We would have been the we would have been the five seed. Yeah. So, so it ended up not mattering at all. Yeah. But my, my whole thing is like, this is why I hate Bengals fans. Of They are just this never succeeded before franchise. This, you know, and, and they were good for, I don't know, the early part of the 2010s. I mean, they were a perennial playoff team when they had, you know, Andy Dalton and Chad Johnson and, you know, those whole, those whole teams. Like they, they won the division enough times that they should kind of act like they've been there before. And through but, the 2000s too, because they had Carson yeah. Palmer. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Carson Palmer years. Uh, you know, they, they are not a, they, they are not the losers that their fan base kind of gives off of this whole chip on their shoulder. Yeah, right. nonsense. They're, they're a team. They're an organization that's never won shit, but they have had relative they've success. Been, they've been competitive. Yeah, they've been there. They, yeah. they, and I, that's why I feel like they have a huge bandwagon following of these people acting like, you know, the NFL is out to get them. The NFL fucked them over. Like you got gifted an NFC or an AFC North title. And, you know, weird situation, like, uh, it, it's just the amount of complaining coming out of their their players and their fan base is just fucking disgusting to me, if we're being honest. Like, the whole crying about the Roquan Smith chest bump to Jamar Chase is fucking absurd to me. There's another play that they keep posting where um, Daryl Worley, who I had a schizophrenic moment or a bipolar moment on Twitter about that you uh, so nicely documented, but, like, laid the fuck out of T. Higgins. And you know, Roquan Smith came and picked as up clean, the ball. As clean like, a hit as you're ever going to see. Oh, very clean hit. But people are like, "Oh, he didn't check on T. Higgins." Fuck T. Higgins. Plays for a fucking division rival. Like he was fine. He didn't die. Like he's okay. And I, I their their fan base just looks for any reason to cry. People were calling that Alex Kappel played dirty, where he got his um, you know, he got his knee like. Who, or who's it dirty on the center? Uh, yeah, his own team blocked the Ravens guy in his leg. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just. I, I have a new respect for Steelers and Browns fans because even though I hate them, I hate the Browns and I hate the Steelers, like their fans are somewhat rational human beings of, you know, you're able to have like a football discussion with them and it, it kind of sticks to like, you know, making fun of people about football stuff. Whereas, you know, Bengals fans are crying on Twitter that the Ravens are dirty. You have Jamar Chase talking about like the Ravens were trying too hard and trying to hurt people. Like trying too hard in a regular season uh, NFL game. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like it's just I, I don't I don't get them. Um, well, and not to I mention, love, you want to talk about trying too hard. The Bengals played all of their starters in that game, all of them. Right. The the Ravens had like six or seven guys inactive who were healthy, who were and who like, were starting like, players. Yeah, like legitimate offensive talent was not playing. I mean, key pieces, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Andrews are probably your two best offensive players with uh, Lamar being out. Right. And they didn't play. And yeah, we sat Peters. Right Peters, back. you know, you don't know if Peters was ready to play or not, but Peters sat, which was to be expected because we need him healthy yeah. for, or, or as healthy as he can be for for this week, because he was a huge factor in the first Bengals game, the physicality he played with. So, yeah, the the, the uh, you know, and p- what they're complaining about too on that uh, on that T Higgins hit with Roquan Smith wasn't even just that he didn't check on T Higgins. Like what? I don't even know what the fuck that means. Check on he didn't. Number one, he didn't hit him. He, like no. he wasn't involved in the play. He came over and he like was hyped. And also, up that, Worley, Worley was down and he right. went over to Worley. He went over to his own guy. Like, yeah. what's he supposed to do? Like, and then he took the ball and he's walking to the middle of the field and he's flipping the ball to the ref and it hits Jamar Chase. And even if he was intentionally flipping it at Jamar Chase, who gives a fuck? It's a, a rivalry game. Jamar Chase is a talker too. Like, you want to act like Jamar Chase is this innocent guy. Like, you could tell he's the guy who's running his mouth after every play. 
So then right. fuck Jamar and that's Chase. Fine. But, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. But yeah. But then even today, Jamar Chase had a quote. Oh man, I should bring it up. I mean, he basically is saying like they're gonna, they're, we got something for them this week. And I think he said we're gonna get it back. And it's like, well, what are you gonna get back? Like you had Anthony Brown gift you twenty one points. Yep. Your offense scored six points. You played the whole game. The Ravens treated that game like the NFL told them that it didn't matter because the NFL told them it didn't matter. They treated their, it like a preseason game. Yeah. However. They had their defensive starters in, and I think there was a message behind that, you know. And and you have Bengals fans like their uh, their conspiracy theory is that John Harbaugh had them in there to hurt people. If we were going to have people in the game to hurt people, we wouldn't have had starters. You put the in. backups, yeah, yeah because you put, you put the backups in to fucking you know go be goons and headhunt. Right, it's like in, in yeah, it's like in baseball when you bring in uh on, like the on on uh Sunday of a thir- of a of a weekend series if you've had a chippy series you bring yeah. in a reliever uh you know who's like the eleventh guy in the bullpen to to drill some guy in the in the ass cheek or whatever in the or in the ribs. Yeah, you bring in the guy you bring in the guy who throws a hundred miles an hour has no idea where the ball's going and then you you play the oh I had no idea that I he was you know I just didn't know where the ball was going that's why I hit the star player in the back right. You know. or, or a guy who doesn't give a fuck, who's who's going to yeah. throw it and then be like, come, yeah, come on out here and say something about it. So, you know, I think there was a message behind that. And part of it was we are 90 percent sure we're probably going to play you next week. And uh, last season, you want to talk about uh, teams playing too hard. You're talking about and, and, and I'm not offended by them running the score up, but they ran the score up mm-hmm. on 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 the Ravens when the Ravens were historically injured. And I'm not offended by this. But when you do that. The guys who were on the field remember, and the guys who were injured remember, and the fact that they were hooting and hollering and celebrating like they were, uh, you know, doing like accomplishing some, uh, you know, amazing feat. Well, now we're doing the same shit, even though, okay, yeah, we lost the game. I get that. We knew damn well there was a high percentage chance we we're going to play them this this week. Uh, the defense decided they were going to send a message. The message isn't we're going to hurt you, we're or, we're not, or we're going to injure you. It's we're going to play hard. We're going to make you scared to get hit because nothing the Ravens did on Sunday was dirty. Nothing. They were not. If anything, the only dirty plays I've seen, and I and I did no, I didn't do any film study, so I'm not I'm not studying the game. I'm looking at everything that's popping up from Bengals fans and from Ravens fans and from media and everything else. The dirtiest plays I saw, I saw a clip of Eli Apple coming in and pulling on Ben Powers' foot when he was in a pile. I saw that play, and I don't exactly know who was involved either on either side because in my brain, I thought for some reason Isaiah Likely was the guy who got pushed out of bounds when he wasn't. It may have been uh, Owe. I heard somebody say it was Bowser. I think they said on Raven's Vault it was Bowser. I don't remember who it was, but it was on fourth down. Um, it was a fourth, fourth and one, I think. Around the 50-yard line, they snapped the ball. The play blew up right away, and Joe Burrow spiked the ball at his uh, yeah. at, at his receiver's feet. And then feet. a bunch of shit, bunch of shit happened out of bounds after. Yeah, that I mean, and they and they they had a, an offensive lineman who I believe was like their seventh offensive lineman. They brought in this big package, like they looked like they were yeah. going to try and like run it up the middle, and they end up trying to run a pass play or like a screen. But the basically like their seventh offensive lineman on the field decided he was going to block. And they want to talk about through the whistle. The whistle blew, and that was like five seconds after the fucking whistle. He kept going, pushed him out of bounds into the like the bench area on the Raven sideline, and it caused a melee. That's dirty. Yeah. So I don't know if he carried Bowser out of bounds, and then Oa came in and defended Bowser. Yeah, that's why I, said, I don't know who it was on our side. Those two were the uh, Oa and Bowser were in the middle of it. I don't know who was the one got carried out of bounds and who was the one that yeah. you know came in and defended their guy. But regardless, like 
it's a divisional football game. You don't like each other. Like this kind of chippy shit is going to happen and to cry about it. And, and on top of that, like the, the Bengals played their starters on offense the entire game. Right. So to act like the Ravens should bend the knee and take their starters on defense out. So what? So Joe Burrow can put up another 300 yard passing game on us. Like why yeah, would we do that? that? Right. Exactly. Well, and like, and you want to talk yeah. about uh, Alex Kappa getting hurt. Why was he in the game? Yeah. Right. Like if, if his health matters to you so much, don't play your starters. Yeah, that game and, did not matter for all intents and purposes. Right. And he didn't get hurt because of a, a anything the Ravens did. It was a normal no. football play. It happens all the time. Uh, you know, I believe last year, uh, Ronnie Stanley, when he re-aggravated the ankle in the, the Raiders game, it was a very similar thing. Um, you know, obviously we know what happened on the first the first time he hurt the ankle. That was a dirty mm-hmm. play by TJ Watt. But um, you know, these things happen. Guys, guys roll up. Sometimes it's your own player, sometimes it's somebody else. But it's like there was no diving in anyone's ankle. I haven't seen a shred of dirty play bullshit. Now, uh, Roquan Smith bumping Jamar Chase in the end zone, inadvertent or or on purpose. There's probably a little bit of both there. He was going over to 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 celebrate with Worley, and he bumped into Chase. Who gives? It's not shirt? like he. It's not like he. You know, fucking led with his helmet and knocked Chase unconscious. Like it was chest just, to chest, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. I mean, it was a. It was a. It was a little bump. It, it's not like anybody was put in danger. And those guys, I'm pretty sure, had to play each other in college, right? Yeah, they definitely did. Yeah, so I mean, I'm sure there's history there, and it's and it's not like a a bad blood thing. I think it's just a competitive thing, really. Oh, it's it's again. We gave Roquan a five year, hundred million dollar extension. Because he fits the Ravens, and that's 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 a Ravens thing to do. Of you, you hate Absolutely. the opponent, and you know he just embodies what a Raven is supposed to be. Right, and, and we haven't had thing, a guy like that in a long time. No, and you know, again, you need that nasty streak, and you need to hate your opponent sometimes. And like, yeah. I, I can understand being upset if something dirty happened, but it didn't. And also, like, to act like the Bengals weren't trying to go pedal to the metal there. It's fucking wild. Like you said, they had all their starters. In. Right. It wasn't like, like, why are they expecting us to take our foot off the gas, but they didn't take their foot off the gas. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and if you want to look at the numbers too, on that game. So like you said, Anthony Brown and, and Anthony Brown, I prefer Anthony Brown to Tyler Huntley. Even oh, after that was his first start. He's an undrafted, undrafted free yeah. agent. Like, all those turnovers. The, so the two, the two picks came in the first quarter. Um, yep. The, and it's a guy, a guy who's never started before, who wasn't even drafted. So, um, you know, those those picks came early before he settled in. the The backbreaker was the the sack fumble touchdown, and I blame that way more on Greg Roman than I do on him. I mean, I, I don't think that's a quarterback problem. I mean, he got hit blindside. It, it is because I mean, he held the ball. You know, I think a seasoned veteran under center there, or somebody who's not making their first career start probably realizes that I got to get rid of this ball sooner rather than later. And punting from here is better than, you know, taking this sack. Like that's just, that's like, um, you know, being used to the NFL flow of a game. Sure. And, and I think the play call has a lot to do with why, the, why that play ended up the way it did, especially you, the play before that was a Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins, not, not being very good with his feet on a ball that I thought this was a, so this is one of these times it was a bad sequence for for Brown because the throw to Watkins there, he floated the ball instead of yeah. zipping it because I mean Watkins ran a good good route. He did not do a very good job with his feet at the end of the play catching the ball because no. his his second foot came down with his toe on the line. But I think it was more of a a, a a symptom of the way the ball was thrown. For whatever reason, you don't throw an out 
breaking, uh, you know, a short outbreaking uh, route like that, you don't float it. You got to zip that thing in there. So he didn't hit him in stride. And, you know, so it wasn't a great throw. It was bad footwork by Sammy, but it was close enough where I think Roman or uh, Harbaugh, especially the time, it was like, it was, you know, it was mid or late second quarter. So it would have been a good time for a challenge, I think, just even if it was only uh, to slow things down and like decide what they were going to do on third down there. So I think it was all rushed. And that's where the processing speed, um, is a problem. I mean, it's a, again, it's a undrafted free agent in his first start or undrafted rookie in his first start. Um, so I think we put you him in don't a bad have Gus, You don't have Gus Edwards at that point because he went out with a concussion. You yep. were resting J.K. Dobbins. So, I mean, you have an undrafted rookie stuck with Justice Hill as his running back. Like, shit's going to happen, you know, and Kenyon yeah, Drake. Yeah. Like, yeah. But if that, okay, so let's just go hypothetical here and say he got sacked there and he didn't fumble the ball. I don't. I mean, again, I'm not going to get on his ass about fumbling because when you take a blindside hit in the pocket, uh, you know, when you're not used to it, yeah, uh, the the ball comes out sometimes, and in in this case, unfortunately, the ball ended up in the end zone for a touchdown. So, say that that does not happen. We also had a turnover on downs. Again, this is bad decision making on John Harbaugh's fault, uh, part, and then horrible play calling. We're all day long. We ran the ball on them at, mm-hmm. on, on the edges. We ran the ball. These, these sort of zone concepts where we're running off the tackles. And in this case, we decide on fourth and one, it was kind of a long one, too. It was more like a one and a half. We decide we're going to do a, a, a running back dive with Kenyon Drake, who Drake doesn't run well up in, in inside the tackles. He just doesn't. He's, he's more of an edge rusher. And so, it wasn't even like a quick dive. It was kind of like one of those, you know, it was almost more of like a, a draw where right. it took a couple seconds to develop. Like the ball wasn't just in his hands right away. And he was running the line of scrimmage. Like it, you know, he, he dropped back and handed it. So I'm like, it, it took a couple seconds to develop. Yeah. I, I don't have an issue with going for it there, but again, it, it goes down to Greg Roman of like, if you're going to be aggressive and go for it on that fourth and one, you have to call the right play. I have because an issue with it. it. I have an issue with it because we, ha- again, we have a rookie quarterback, an undrafted rookie in his first start, who's down 17 to nothing. And we are, in a spot where we can pretty much put the three points on the board with Justin Tucker. So use the kicker in that's in that situation. We need points, any points because we need, we need to start scoring. So take those three points. We didn't take the three points. We ended up then with that, the sack fumble that turned into a touchdown. So that's a 10 point swing. So we had an opportunity to go into halftime. If that did not happen, um, 17 to six or 17 to 10. It was, uh, it was a much different score. Uh, or I'm not, my, I'm my, sorry, not 17. Whole, what? Yeah. It would have been 17 instead of 24 to 24 to six or 24. Yeah. To- so my, my whole thing with it is that like you have an undrafted rookie playing quarterback, you see yourself in this spot of, if you get this fourth and one, you know, maybe you got the defense on their heels pissed off. They gave that up. Maybe you score a touchdown. I'm okay with taking that gamble there because it's a, uh, you're down big and you're trying to, you know, light a fire under your team for lack of a better term. I hate the play call. And this yeah. is what it comes down to is that if you're going to play this aggressive style and you're going to make these aggressive decisions, then you have to have good play calls. You can't continually make these aggressive choices and call dumb shit repeatedly. Right. And that's been what happens all year is that well, Drake is not a, a short yardage back. No, and maybe, you know, if, if Gus Edwards is there, maybe that's the right call. But Gus Edwards was not there. He was out with a concussion. You knew that. Right. It wasn't like, uh, you know, 
a shock to Greg Roman that it wasn't um, Gus Edwards breaking the huddle, that it was Kenyon Drake. Like, it was a known thing that Gus was not coming back that game. So I just, you know, I, it's what we keep talking about with Greg Roman of why he needs to go is that his situational play calling is dog shit. Horrible. And he continually puts us in these situations where like, you know, you have to question Harbaugh going forward on fourth down there because you know, Greg Roman is so bad at calling that play. Yeah, exactly. That, that is a factor. So like, no matter what the, like the probabilities tell you about like, you 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 also have to have Greg Roman be part of your your algorithm for determining the probability there because I mean his his play selection is just so bad. Um, so anyway, there there is a hypothetical situation where that game late in the game is twenty to nineteen rather yeah. than rather than twenty six twenty seven to sixteen. So yeah. it was a much closer game than that score indicates. After they after that touchdown that they got on the the strip. They didn't score another touchdown. They they they, scored, two they co- had two more field goals. Um, the defense, you know, the defense early on, there were some idiots like Tom who were saying that the defense was getting, uh, you know, pushed around. The defense was on the field for the first quarter and a half. Like uh, they they were probably on the, uh, you know, the the I time possession. There's probably eighty percent of the game was probably the ball was in Cincinnati's hands. Well, and on top of that, so Cincinnati had that first field goal drive where they kind of walked on the field and then stalled out in, you know, in the red zone. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's not a great defensive showing. Fine, you can get on them for that or whatever. Like, uh, I'm not going to fucking split hairs and argue with you here. They got an interception. I think they got the ball starting at the, at the Baltimore's 35. And the second interception, they got the ball starting at Baltimore's, like, 40. So they're yep. two short fields for, uh, you know, good offense. And – I feel like expecting your defense to stand tall there and come up with stops there is, you know, maybe you, you want them to. Like, obviously, you want the defense to stop them there, but it's not realistic to expect that every time. No, and, and then so if you look at the bot, well, if you look at the box score, the we we, we outplayed them in that game. Yeah, we did. So we did. You know, you have I mean, dumbass, you have dumbass lizard king Sammy Watkins fumbling that fucking long pass. That there. that's another thing. That's a huge, huge turn huge momentum turn and it wasn't even they didn't even get momentum out of it they just took momentum from us so yeah. like they didn't do anything with it but the just the fact that we it, you know we're getting three points at least there and the fact that we were moving the ball that way i saw two back shoulder throws from anthony brown to sammy watkins basically the exact same play two times that mm-hmm. they couldn't defend it and no. that's something um you know i, I know it's something Tyler Lamar, can't do. Lamar has been working on those back shoulder throws Anthony Brown seems to have a touch, like a feel for them. Um, yeah. And for whatever reason, he has chemistry with Sammy Watkins. He was looking to him a lot. Um, I liked what I saw from Anthony Brown. I liked the fact that he turned the ball over those three times and he didn't, he was able to just sort of like forget it and keep moving. So Tyler Huntley is a, um, and he's not good at it, but Tyler Huntley has a game manager mentality of yeah. don't fuck up, don't fuck up, don't fuck up. And he still fucks up. Whereas Anthony Brown kind of has that gambler mentality of, you know what, fuck it, I, I trust myself and I'm going to make this throw. And right. like, if you're going to go with a backup, that's the guy that I want is the one who's going to try to make the play rather than do dumb shit with the ball in a sense. Yeah, well, he's obviously got a better arm. He's better down the field. He has better. Uh, he has a better feel for where receivers are going to be, not just where they are. Yeah. Um. So I like him more. So I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, they are, you know, Huntley. It makes a little bit more sense some of those throws we were seeing from him, um, especially in the week seventeen game uh, with the shoulder tendonitis that he's dealing with, and he's still limited. So 
I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm hopeful that he's still injured. I'm, I'm hopeful that we start Anthony Brown because I like what I saw from him last week. The offense looked more uh, capable of, uh, if he can score 20 points this week for us, I have faith in this defense that they're they're going to be even better because I don't I don't think that Anthony Brown's going to go in there and turn the ball over like he did this past week. That that's that's the real key is that if Anthony Brown does not turn the ball over, we win that game. Yeah, and so it, it's it's that simple. It's you know if if you don't have Lamar and we can get into this later of you know I still think Lamar plays Sunday and call that like blind optimism you know just fucking playoff Drew who just wants the Ravens to win, but. If you have to start somebody besides Lamar Jackson, it's got to be Anthony Brown because he would have won you that game if he didn't make dumb rookie mistakes. And he's no longer a dumb rookie anymore in my book. Uh, you know, he bounced back from those super plays in the first half. Again, he played basically a flawless second half. Right. Like, well, and let's you know, not forget he won the Pittsburgh game for us on a like 96 yard drive or 98 yeah. yard drive. Right. So, like, this is a guy who I think what we've seen from him in, uh, six and a half quarters of football, he is better than Tyler Huntley. Well, we've seen, what is it now, seven or eight starts from Tyler Huntley? We've basically seen a half a season of football at Tyler Huntley. Yeah, yeah, eight, then, eight because it, Josh yeah. Johnson got one, and, and now uh, Anthony Brown got one. Yep. Yeah, so we've seen eight games out of Tyler Huntley, and it's not good. Like, no. there's there's no way to spin this. There's no way to look at this and, you know, be positive about it. Like, Tyler Huntley is just not good. And there's yeah, no and one way of those games, like one of those games that he get that he gets credited for a win was Anthony Brown won the game because he went out yeah. with that concussion against uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, because his dumbass decides to run into defenders right in front of him. Right, he's just he, he's not a guy that I want playing. And you know, Anthony Brown kind of takes away that mobility angle that our offense has from a quarterback. Anthony Brown's not slow by any means, but he just doesn't run the same. You right. know, and that's almost part of the positive with him is that like, you know, you play the Ravens and you expect a running quarterback and you expect that read option. You expect, you know, a lot of quarterback carries out of this and you kind of got to keep somebody, you know, spying them in the middle. And Anthony Brown does not do that. And I think that almost works to our advantage. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Cause the, it, it does, it changes, uh, especially, you know, I think what we've seen, uh, you know, today, obviously Lamar didn't practice, but, uh, and, and there's, there's huge questions as to whether he's going to play, but the Bengals have to prepare, for Lamar possibly playing. They have to re- prepare for Huntley starting, who is, you know, obviously running the ball is a, a, a big part of his game. So um, the fact that they have to pre- prepare for that and then Anthony Brown plays a different game than the two of them, uh, you know, it, he he's still capable. He can run the ball, but he he's not a threat the way that the, the other two are. And Huntley is not a threat the way Lamar is. It's, it's no. obviously, there's a sliding scale here, but... Um, I like what Anthony Brown brings to the table. I like the fact that he was able to go in and and completely put out of his brain those mistakes he made because a lot of rookies, whether they're undrafted or they're first rounders, if they had a game like he did in the first quarter and a half, they would have folded. Yeah, they would have folded and it would have been ugly the entire way. And he had us in that game. So, yeah, um, I I, I like it. Yeah, I I respect it, too. And and I would. I'm just I'm just projecting out beyond this season. Whatever happens, the rest of the way happens. But I would like us to consider Anthony Brown as the backup. I, I agree. I want I have wanted Tyler Huntley out of town since last year. I think that if anybody gives you literally anything, you know, draft capital wise, just fucking get rid of him. He's yeah, not if it. we can get a fifth or a sixth round pick, that would be yeah. beautiful. Well, I mean, he's we, a UDFA, we, so yeah. whatever we get for him is better than you know what we paid for him. So uh, he's just. Tyler Huntley is, 
for whatever reason, a divisive figure on Ravens Twitter where I feel like people will defend him and act like he's good. He's just not. And like, we got to stop kidding ourselves. You know, Ravens fans have this weird, um, you know, weird way of doing things where we hype up these late round picks and these undrafted free agents and act like they're better than they actually are. Again, the James Proche effect, the fucking you know, Jordan Lassley, you know, any of these guys just get hyped up like they're these, you know, hidden gems that, you know, we've uncovered. Tyler Huntley's just not good. They're, we're not winning games with Tyler Huntley under center. We Speaking beat, of James beat, Prochet, fucking asshole. Back-breaking mistake by him. How fucking dumb can you be to just run out of bounds there? There was no reason for him to run out of bounds. Play of the game. Could have been the play of the game. That would have yeah. that's another one. You talk about so, the Sammy Watkins fumble. The James Prochet penalty was as I, I think as debilitating to the momentum of the team. As the Sammy, because I believe that 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 turned from us having a huge gain and being on like the nine yard line to we had a punt. That was a third down. Yeah, pretty sure that was a loss. Loss of downs. Loss of downs yeah. penalty. I tweeted when so the, on the broadcast angle they did not show James Prochet stepping out of bounds. They just showed him catching the ball and then running it down. And my immediate reaction was like, I'm gonna have to eat shit here because I'm yeah, gonna get too. so many fucking I'm gonna get so many fucking tweets about like. Oh, you've been fucking trashing this guy, and look what he just did, and he needs more shots. So I'm like, at that point, I'm like, fuck it. I guess I'm gonna have to eat shit here. And I was happy to do it. Me, I was happy to yeah. do it. I was looking forward no, to I it. I would have, I would have put my hand up and said, oh, I'm a fucking asshole. I was wrong. And then they show the replay, and there, it's not like he got pushed out of bounds. It's not like something you know weird happened. Like he just straight up stepped out of bounds for no reason. Like there is no conceivable reason why he stepped out of bounds there. And he's now finished the year with more penalty yards than receiving yards. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable, yeah. and I, I I was listening to I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but the vault. Uh, Bobby Trossett is definitely on uh, the same page as us. I can hear in his voice how done with James Prochet he is, um, and he he said the same thing. We've we've beat this into the ground, but James Prochet can't be on this team moving forward. And he said it. The other, he said this is something we'll get into in a couple weeks when the season's over. But like James Prochet doesn't deserve a spot on this roster. He doesn't. He's a sixth round pick. He's done nothing, and not just done nothing, but this season he's done more harm than good. It's not even that he's, he's not on the field, but when he's on the field, he is being penalized at a greater rate than he is producing as a fucking receiver. So he had sixty-four penalty yards. He had 62 receiving yards, and he threw that fucking obscene interception against the Broncos. He is literally a net negative to the team. Like, there's no, no argument for it none, anymore. None, none, And And uh, the penalty this week should count against him. That was about 50 fucking yards. It should count against him for penalty yards because we yeah. gained all those yards, and they didn't count, and we lost the down. So, really, it's more like he's lost us about 100, 110 yards. So, I went back and looked because somebody who is a um, – huge James Prochet supporter that I follow uh, decided to tweet something negative about Marcus Peters. Somebody, you know, one of those random Ravens fans who's like my dream off season and said something to the effect of, you know, signing Marcus Peters to a small contract to bring him back. And then he, he did the, you know, scoffing at it of why would we bring Marcus Peters back? Marcus Peters almost has more interception return yards in his Ravens tenure than James Prochet has career receiving yards, which <laughs> is just it, it, he, Marcus Marcus Peters has like 207 um, return yards on interceptions with the Ravens. And I think James Proche is a little bit over 260 yards receiving. Yeah, I think he had so, 200, He had like 217 yards last season. And he basically had none uh, outside yeah. of last season. And then this season. He's uh, got 60, 62. So. 62, yeah. 
Um, so we'll say two. We'll, we'll we'll give him two seventy, and we'll give Peters two hundred and ten interceptions. But those penalty. Uh, I'm sorry, those penalty yards count. It's just like when a a quarterback, um, the sack yards count against them. Yeah. Same thing. Or the kneel, the kneeling, the kneeling counts against them in running. Yeah. You know. Yep. James Prochet is a fucking loser, and like he needs to be gone. He is. He is what is wrong with you know when people get on Eric Dacosta's ass about you know his drafting and shit like that. Yep. Like. I look at somebody like James Prochet who has been given all the opportunity in the world to prove that he is a useful wide receiver and that he can contribute something to the team, and he just can't. Like, there's no other way around it. He just well, oh, oh, and let's, let's also point this out. So since Duvernay's been out, he is now the punt returner, which is inexplicable to me because Andy Isabella is on the team. But he's the punt returner. He let – the other day, he yeah, let, let a, punt, punt. a punt go yeah. – like he has no feel for the game at all. No, so, he like, just he does nothing. He brings nothing to the table. There are no redeeming qualities. I know I have sat here and trashed players before. You know, I, I advocated for Ben Powers being murdered, for example, and like <laughs> he's turned into a you know an adequate left guard. Like I will give Ben Powers that he has been yep. pretty good this year. You know, he's like top ten in the league in uh, run blocking win rate, and he's pretty close to top ten in pass block win rate. Like. He has I think he's turned played, it around. And, and I think I saw actually uh, Cole did a whole like rundown of the offensive lineman, uh, and he's played every snap. Ben Powers. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there's value you know, in credit, that. Credit where credit is due. Ben Powers has been has proven to be a contributing member to society here. Like he has proven that you know it took four years, but he has some upside to him, and he's realized that upside. James Prochet has been here for three years and brings nothing to the table. Nothing other than his fucking butterfly t-shirts, 6 a.m. Instagram posts of him running up a hill or catching off a judge machine and fucking inspirational quotes on Twitter. He does nothing. Dude, I had a killer, killer tweet today. Okay. Fucking great tweet. And I went to try and find the video of James Prochet running those fucking hills. He deleted it. Yeah, because I fucking bullied him into it. I'm sure he deleted that tweet of him running hills. That yeah, pissed me the fuck off. That really fucking pissed me off. It ruined my tweet. It was a good tweet still, but it would have been so much better with the video because I don't think a lot of people got it. You have you have to be really deep in the James Prochet hate or love to know what the fuck I was talking about. But uh, it would have been really good with the with the video, and the video doesn't exist anymore. It really pissed me off. So it's, what's we, so we, we what? just can't have guys like that on the team anymore. No, like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done propping up mediocrity. You know, I am willing. Hold... I am willing to give Tylen Wallace another another uh, off season and preseason to find himself a role as a depth wide receiver because I don't. I do. I believe that uh, that he has not gotten an opportunity. Like a lot of people say that about Prochet. I don't think that Wallace has gotten the the type of opportunity that Prochet has got. Okay, so no, until because he's been hurt. Yeah. You know, so I'm willing. Like you said, I'm willing to give him a legitimate shot to be healthy and earn a spot. I'm not putting any kind of um, expectations on it. I don't think no. Talon Wallace, you know, people hype up that he was going to be a first round pick if he didn't get hurt and all this shit. Like, I don't see that from him, but I'm also not going to write him off completely and say, this guy's ass and we need to get rid of him right. because we're not paying him a lot of money. And if he's your wide receiver six, so fucking what? Fine. Well, and, yeah. And I'm also not uh, like, I'm not saying like I expect him to be, our third wide receiver or something like I expect him to be the fourth or fifth wide receiver, but when he's on the field to take advantage of his opportunities. So, um, you know, hopefully, well, I don't even say hopefully, but if he's around, I'll be fine with that. That's that. that, I'm going to be like pretty like, you know, 
I'm not going to pound the table and say, I need Tyler Wallace here, but if he gets another year, I think he, he deserves another year if they want to give it to him, but I'd be totally fine with them overhauling the wide receiver room completely. Um, So, you know, it is what it is, but anyway, the game, I didn't expect us to win the game, uh, especially after seeing the, the inactives. I liked what I saw in the game. I feel whether Lamar plays or not, this is going to be a tight game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think we have a very good chance of winning. And we were talking about this earlier. You and I, both separately pointed out the exact same game, the 2009 January 2009 game against the Patriots. January 2010, 2009 season for you. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So um, it was the so the the Ravens for for historical purposes are five and zero in wild card games on the road under John Harbaugh. They're six and zero overall in wild card games on the road. Um, I like that. The Bengals, I think you pointed this out, are one in twelve on Sunday Night Football. One in, one in thirteen on Sunday. One in thirteen, even worse. The, I like those numbers, and I feel like a game like this, a playoff game, uh, a division game, is going to be a tight game no matter what, no matter who's the who the quarterback is, and uh, a, a, a playoff game, a January game. It's probably going to be pretty cold. It's going to be at night, and. Uh, I'm hoping we have Gus Edwards back. If we have him back, you know, the game that we're referencing, Joe Flacco, who was in his second year at the time, he was four of 10 for 34 yards in an interception. He had like a 19.6 QB rating and our running backs ran the ball 42 times for 222 yards and and three touchdowns. And I don't see that being out of the question for for this team either. And the defense, uh, it was 34 to 13 was the final score of that game. I could see that happening again. To, you know, now I'm not going to make that my prediction by any stretch of the imagination, but I think running the ball, just wearing the fucking shit out of the, that defensive front, their cornerbacks can't tackle. So if you can get, uh, you know, you, you get a little bit of space on the edge. We saw it last week with, with our, and our Drake. Our, our and third and Hill. fourth running back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you can run on them. You, I mean, obviously, you don't want to run the ball at DJ Reader every every play, but no. uh, you know, you run the ball off tackle and you will get yards. The first first run of the game with Gus Edwards, he had 11 yards, and they yeah. they ran it off uh, right off Ronnie Stanley's left hip. So, um, you know, I think the recipe for success is very simple. The defense keeps doing what they're doing. They bully the shit out of the those that Cincinnati offense because that's a finesse offense. There's nothing that offense does not want to be hit. That offense doesn't want to be in a nope. fight. So you the defense takes it to the, the to the the Bengals offense. Um the the offense plays the way the defense plays. They play aggressive and they they hit you in the mouth. I just don't like I personally believe that the Ravens have a very good chance to win the game. And that's not me being a Ravens homer. That's just me being someone who's watched the Ravens a lot, knowing what they're capable of. I watched last game, last the last week's game very carefully. I've seen uh, the Bengals play. I think they're soft. I think they have told everyone they're soft by the way they're reacting yep. to, to physicality. So I think you just, you know, you were talking about put your, put the pedal to the metal, put the pedal to the metal with the physicality. Physicality is how you beat the Bengals. Yeah, so uh, you basically nailed the point that I was going to make is that I- I'm not a fan of the moral victory shit. I think that that's a stupid fucking thing that, you know, bad teams hang their hat on. 
I do think the Bengals are afraid of us, for lack of a better term. I think that they're afraid to be hit. I think their offense is, you know, modeled after Joe Burrow, who's a, you know, fuck boy, for lack of a better term. You know, this little pretty boy who's afraid to be hit and cries for flags and this nonsense. Like, I think that they've taken his personality and, you know, the Ravens punched them in the mouth, for lack of a better term, on Sunday. And I think it has them has them reeling and it has them kind of afraid to get into a slugfest with us, you know, like a, a physical, brutal AFC North game, because I don't think they're built for that. I yeah. mean, that's how we beat them earlier in the year is that we punched them in the mouth at home physically and we came out on top in the end. And I could definitely see another game like that on Sunday night if we, you know, turn up the physicality and you get behind, you know, Roquan Smith just signed a five-year, $100 million extension. He's going to be fucking fired up. And, you know, so you saw him on Sunday, you know, chest bumping Jamar Chase and, you know, not caring about T Higgins safety, allegedly. Like, He's going to be fucking dialed up to another notch because it's going to be the playoffs. He played for the Bears for all those years, and they fucking suck. And, like, he's going to get a, you know, a taste of playoff football. And he's going to want to fucking kill Joe Burrow, and he's going to want to kill somebody coming over the middle. And, like, if you can just, you know, thrive off that energy and thrive off that, you know, we might not be better than you, but we can beat the fuck out of you in a fist fight. Like, that, that's the kind of game that we're going to win. And yep. it's going to be, uh, you know, a 24-21 or a 20-17 or, a, you know, 22 19, whatever the fucking numbers are, you know, it's going to come down to a field goal at the end. And if it's one of these, you know, like fucking ugly boxing, that heavyweight boxing match in the middle where we're just standing in the middle of the ring throwing haymakers, I like our odds. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of the 2020 team that lost to the Titans and then went to Tennessee and, and beat them. And, you know, famously, Marcus Peters in the defense after that that game ceiling uh, interception went and danced on the the logo this is what that that's what this reminds me of a lot yeah yeah and imagine marcus peters coming back that's another level of just uh somebody's going to get in somebody's head you know yep. the Bengals are clearly are clearly rattled mentally you know they're they're here already playing the victim you had eli apple begging fox news to take a picture of him with a fucking fuck Goodell coin at the end of the game you have joe mixon doing that stupid fucking coin flip celebration like did you see, oh, by the rattled. way, did you see Joe Mixon uh, was mocking Demarcus Robinson too? Is that what it was? Yeah, the, that that hamstring thing. No, he was so Demarcus Robinson when he made what he claimed was a catch, what ended up being reviewed. Where that was a funny clip. When you, did you see the clip of, of Harbaugh when he threw the flag and he's standing there and he's like, "Fuck it, let's do it," and he just threw the flag because yeah. it was like whatever. Because yeah. um, and I think that clip encapsulates the entire game, like. John Harbaugh wasn't coaching that game as though it was like uh some a like pivotal yeah. right exactly he's coaching like a preseason game he wasn't he was like yeah. he was kind of waiting on people and he was like fuck it let's do it he just threw it you can read his lips his fuck it let's do it um yeah it was when Demarcus Robinson did that thing where he's like crossing and like pointing it like he was doing that weird thing and then Joe Mixon mm-hmm. did like was mocking him on the sideline and yeah fucking Joe, prolific woman beater Joe Mixon a prolific runner who averaged 2.5 yards per carry on on uh Sunday. So like, you know, for someone yeah, he scored a touchdown. It was like 4 inches outside the fucking end zone. So Yeah, you know, congratulations. Yeah. Second exactly. Day. Um, you know, th- this Bengals team, the way that they're being so emotional about the physicality, it reminds me of the possibilities are there of that Bengals team that blew one of the most preposterous games of all time. The the infamous game where uh Antonio Brown was was transformed Murdered. into Mr. Big Chest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
perfect with the hit. And then so the 15 yard penalty for the hit and then the 15 yard penalty for trying to fight Joey Porter after the hit. Uh, just like great a, move by Joey Porter. Yeah, huge. Yeah, definitely. But it all it's like it's a team that their mental uh, fortitude is just it, non-existent. You get there's just you, an, a bunch of undisciplined pussies who don't like being hit. Yes, and they're exactly. going to cry when they get hit. Right. Again, Jamar Chase was crying for flags all day on fucking Daryl Worley. Right. Like this is a fucking guy who's been cut 14 times this year and fucking brought back and elevated from the practice squad and cut again. And that guy is clamping you other than that one fucking play where you must him. And you're supposed to be Jamar Chase, this big number one target, this big badass top five wide receiver. And you're fucking crying about Worley hitting you. And like, he's still talking. Off. And now he's still talking about touching shoulders with another yeah. man. Like fucking it's football too. It's not like this is fucking, I don't even know what sport where you're supposed to be like gentlemen to each other. Like, you yeah, fucking, fucking, you beat fucking polo. It's like crying about a boxer punching you too hard. Like, yeah. Shut the fuck up. So I think the, 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 the tone that the Ravens defense set, and I think the way that the Ravens offense can operate in, in bully mode, we got to keep that, that energy. And part of that is Greg Roman committing to it. And I, that is where I have doubts, but the defense can still control the narrative here. So if the defense can come in, and the defense can not, I, you know, the, the, Joe Burrow's Joe Burrow. He is a top uh, eight to twelve quarterback, in my opinion, in the league. Yeah. I know some people think he's top five. Yeah. I think that's like it's people say that lower. they love to say that when he's playing well, but when he's not, when he's playing like at at his like median, which is like how you got to judge a guy. He is, you know, he he he's he's certainly not a bottom of the the barrel guy. But Joe Burrow is Jimmy G. I mean, they're the same guy. Very uh, similar. Very similar. I think know, he's he's more athletic than Jimmy G, but um, not by much. Weak arm, weak arm, moderate mobility. You know, if if you give him time in the pocket and zone coverage, he's going to make throws. He's accurate, but like he doesn't do anything at an elite level, and he's also never experienced adversity in his life. You know, again, he was he was at Ohio State and he was third on the depth chart, so he transferred to LSU. And then he got gifted this generational talent around him and had a fucking amazing year. But like, he's just a bitch. And I like I, I you know I'm I'm using that term not really lightly because fuck Joe Burrow. But like, the Bengals are the kind of team that if uh, you know again we go back to that Patriots game that 33-14 win at Foxborough, like that Ray Rice 83 yard touchdown run up the middle on the first play of the game was a fucking tone setter. And if we come out and J.K. Dobbins runs a touchdown, you know, in on the first carry of the game, like, they'll fold. They're all soft. They're all yep. fucking front-running pussies. And just fucking punch them in the mouth once, and they're just going to stay down. Yep. So our friend uh, Nitty Gritty has said this many, many times. This team is built to lead the game. So, like, yep. and I agree with that. Totally agree with that. And But I think it that— It neutralizes Greg Roman. Because yeah. Greg Roman will run the ball if we're up. So we are, take we Greg are Roman built, out of the equation. Yeah. We are built to lead the game, and I think, but we're built to lead a playoff game. This te- this this roster is built for playoffs. So yep. even without Lamar Jackson, it's still built for playoffs because we can run the fucking ball. So um, I don't know. I, I you know, there's a lot of people who are very pessimistic about this weekend. I don't think any of the pundits are picking us, and that's fine. 
But no, I've seen I'm, screenshots of literally everybody picking the Bengals. Yeah, but. I feel I, you know, I'm going into this game more confident than I was going into like the game against Cleveland. So I'm ago. going to this game thinking that Cincinnati is just not built to hang with us if we play our game. Right. And my Agreed. my only fear is that Greg Roman will get his fat greasy fingers in the mix and take us off our game. And try to play their the game. Try to play their yeah. game, which he did. That's what happened against Tennessee in 2019. He mm. tried to play a different style of football that we're not built to play. If we get, if they get the ball first and they score a touchdown on a five-play 80-yard drive where they hit some deep pass to Chase or Higgins or something, and, or fucking that bitch Hayden Hurst, and you know walk in and score quick, I feel like that'll throw Greg Roman off his game, and we're fucked. If we stop that from happening, I like our chances. Yeah. As long as you don't let Cincinnati land the first punch that draws blood, we're good. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I, you know, it was funny. I think the 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 tone setter for the game was uh, we won the the coin toss and we elected to receive the ball. <laughs> and Grant, I remember in the uh, the group chat was like, "What the? Why would you ever?" pick to receive the ball because it's a fucking preseason game. That's why yeah, because it, he was like, because John Harbaugh was like, you know what? We got a, we got an undrafted free agent rookie in his first start. Why are we going to make him sit on the sideline and wait to get on the field and, and take a snap? Let's just get him out there. Let's, let's just like, just go, go do it. Yeah, go play, get it out of your system. Yeah. So I liked it. Uh, you know, obviously I wish we won the game, but my expectations were low and uh, my expectations for this week, are high. My expectations aren't even high. I just I don't think Cincinnati has it. You know, people. Well, when I say high, I don't think we're going to go out there and score forty points or something. But uh, you know, I my expectations for this week are we're going to see the energy we saw last week, but it's going to be a more polished version, and we have already hit Cincinnati in the mouth. So yeah. they're coming into the game with a with a black eye. Right, right. They're they're fucking afraid of us. They are they are crying on Twitter. They are already laying the defense of the refs didn't call a tight enough game and the Ravens got away with shit, and that's why we lost. Yep. They're, they're I, already putting I, I can't imagine that being the case in the playoffs, that the refs are going to call some some ticky-tacky game. You don't and typically they, see there that. really wasn't anything that we did on Sunday that I think should have been penalized. No, and this is coming from uh, you know watching the game and not really – this is my first sober game of the year. So like I'm not even this isn't even wild turkey affecting my thoughts here and clouding my judgment turn me into a fucking purple homer. Like Cincinnati is crying over nothing because they're afraid. Yeah. They're laying down the defense of the NFL's against us and the NFL fucked us and they put us in a bad spot and they made everybody hate us and blah 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 and woe is me bullshit. They're laying a defense for getting fucked at home by the Baltimore Ravens. All right. And so- we can get into the we can get into Lamar shit too, because I got I got I got thoughts on that. Um I think he plays Sunday. You know, okay. we're talking well, about before, hold on, hold on. before we get into that, you know what we got to do. Yep. Jersey and uh, pants. Yep. Or so Jersey hold on. And, uh, let, let, let me, let me, uh, uh, Jake sent his, earlier. Jake sent his. So let me get into that on his death, on his deathbed after being electrocuted, he sent it over. So he must've sent it from like right before he stuck his finger in the outlet, but okay. It was actually, so it was, uh, he asked us not to say this, but it was his loved ones had access to his Twitter account and said that he had the saved in his drafts and he was really excited to record this episode. So in his honor, we're going to, uh, read his prediction. All right. So, uh, Grant, uh, pixelated and disappeared before he could give us his predictions. I don't have that, but I do actually have guest picks from my buddy Andrew, who 
uh, his great name. What's that? Great name. Yeah. So he is the he is the he is the owner of Murray, who we uh, we celebrated a few uh, episodes ago, who who passed away unceremoniously. They have uh, they have acquired a new golden doodle puppy since then. Just as an update to that, uh, his name is Fozzie. He is a, a a great dog. So all's well that ends well there. And and Murray is being honored with a, a memorial in the backyard. So um, you know. But Andrew gave me his predictions, and I uh, I told him we were going to put them on the podcast. So he's going to be picking in Grant's place this week. So I have Jake. Jake says white jerseys, purple pants. Not not a a shocking prediction from him. And he said if Lamar plays twenty seven to twenty Ravens, uh, and twenty to sixteen inbred chili spaghetti eating cocksuckers if Lamar does not play. So, uh. That's Jake. So we're saying white jerseys, purple pants. Lamar Jackson plays the game 27-20. Ravens win. If someone else plays, I have Huntley written down, but anyone else, uh, we lose 20-16. to I'm going to go pull Andrews now. Do you want to give yours while I do this, or do you want me to? Yeah, so I got I got purple on purple, uh, non-color rush purple on purple. Uh, Bengals already announced they're going all black, correct? No, the black and white, black jerseys, oh, white, white pants. yeah, white pants, which I love I that. Know. Yeah, I, I still think purple on purple. I could see purple pants, white jerseys, but I think they're going to go all purples this week. Lamar plays. I think we win thirty to seven. I think we run away with that game. Uh, just the energy of him coming back. I think it's going to energize the team. Okay. If Lamar doesn't play, then I think it'll be Anthony Brown. I think that we win twenty-one seventeen. Twenty-one seventeen. Okay. So I don't have a I don't have a prediction from Andrew that is contingent on Lamar, but okay. he picked white jerseys, purple pants, twenty seven seventeen Ravens. I like it, respectable. And he actually gave some very specific uh, predictions: Lamar Jackson, two hundred twenty five yards passing, one hundred twenty five yards rushing, running backs, one hundred forty plus yards rushing and a defensive touchdown. I'm in. I like those predictions. Okay. So for me, I'm going to shock everyone. You say white white on white, I'm going to fucking log out of this call. No, I'm not going to shock you that way. White jerseys, black pants is what I'm going to say. White jerseys, black pants. If Lamar Jackson plays, which uh, I'm not as as optimistic as you that that's going to happen, but if Lamar Jackson plays, I think it's a 30 to 13 win. So similar to what you had. Which uh, is unlikely, I think, at this point. Uh, just the fact that Lamar hasn't been on the practice field for going on six weeks is is tough. So I think we're probably going to see a backup. Uh, I hope it's Anthony Brown. And I'm not going to be doing multiple predictions for backups. It's not going to be a Huntley and a Brown prediction. Yeah. Hopefully Anthony Brown. Um, and in that event, I think it's a 24-17 win. So we have basically the same score predictions. Give yeah. or take. Yeah, yeah. Pr- very close. Very close. All right. So I, I think we should get into my um I-, I don't know if it's Lamar Jackson conspiracy theory, whatever. It's the fucking playoffs. It's time to get weird. Um, you know, Lamar hasn't practiced in six weeks. You can give me all this shit, the heavy swelling, the you know, Rapport tweet today that he's fighting uphill to play. If there was ever a game where Lamar Jackson hadn't touched the field in six weeks and comes out and plays, it's Sunday. It's the playoffs. It's it's fucking weird. 
I've dealt with knee injuries myself in the past, and there are days where you wake up and you feel like you're never going to walk again, and there are days where you wake up and you're like, I forgot that I got hurt. And I just, I, for whatever reason, this has been a weird fucking year for us. I just think that if there is a 1% chance that Lamar Jackson plays, I'm taking that 1% chance. And I'm, I'm with you if he can play and, you know, if he feels like he can play and if the doctor's clear to play, then I hope he plays. It's a different, it's a different beast too. When you get to game day where I feel like Lamar Jackson wakes up tomorrow and is like, yeah, my knees bothering me. I'm not going to practice. You know, the quote AI we're talking about practice, not a game practice. You know, nobody wants to fucking get up and drive to Owens Mills and go to practice, but you're talking about a primetime Sunday playoff game against a division rival who you have potentially the greatest call with the Kevin Harlan. He is Houdini. You're going to fucking get up for that game. You know, Joe Burrow put up a thousand yards passing on your team last year while you were out. Like you want to, you know, you want to kind of stick it to them. If there's a day where some weird shit happens and Lamar at 75% wakes up and is like, fuck it, I'm strapping him up today and I'm playing. It's Sunday. Yeah. And this is not a, you know, Lamar doesn't have a contract. Lamar cares about his future. We can leave all that shit to the side because it's playoff football. And I, I think if there's ever a point where Lamar is not going to make a smart business decision for himself, it's going to be Sunday. And I'm just, I'm banking on this, you know, this playoff hype that Lamar is going to come out and he's going to want to fucking, you know, shove it down the Bengals' throat and tell the world to go fuck himself. He's been the, the trending topic of football media for fucking year and a half at this point with the no contract and, Lamar's this and Lamar's that. If there's ever a game where you can come out and say, fuck you, I write my own narrative in Sunday. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, I, like I said during my, my uniform prediction, I think it's unlikely we see Lamar this week. I do uh, appreciate, understand, and uh, you know, agree with the idea that a little bit of gamesmanship here, um, the 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 reason that I think that there's a possibility that is the case is because all the language and all the messaging around this, even it's a couple so days ago, vague. it's so well, fucking big. But, but even a couple days ago was the team is not even hopeful, but like expecting him back this week. Lamar is telling people I'm going to be out there on Sunday, and that's like yep. just a couple days ago. And then just today, this morning, it's oh he has severe swelling. Uh, it's a long shot. It's an uphill battle. So it's conflicting. It's contradictory. But like the fact that it's conflicting, contradictory, and we're, now it's Wednesday, that's where it gets into like, all right, is this gamesmanship? Nobody likes strolling more than Lamar Jackson. Right. So he's got a little bit. Of, he's got a little bit of me in him where he likes to uh, break the internet, and he he kind of likes that little bit of spotlight on him too. Yeah. So. Yeah. And like Lamar, uh, you know, on his on his Instagram story, he reposted um, like some fan some thing fan. where yeah. it was like a fan uh, thing. Back, where, please. Yeah, exactly. And so, and then he's retweeting things of uh, reporters talking about how this has nothing to do with his contract, which we've been saying the entire time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we had a discussion earlier uh, amongst ourselves where I think this, this saga can be, probably be attributed to Lamar Jackson is a football player. It's a guy who he wants to play football every single week. And when you're talking about being injured and you're talking about dealing with doctors, I know this from a, uh, my, my previous life. I brought it up earlier when I was talking to Clem about what I used to do. So I used to be in the room 
uh, and I'm not exaggerating, I have sat in on probably a thousand depositions of orthopedic surgeons giving testimony about knee injuries, about uh, people's recoveries, about people's injuries and uh, subjective findings versus objective findings. So an objective finding is an MRI. It's an X-ray. It's uh, a doctor doing a physical examination and feeling, uh, you know, an injury. An injury, or, right? No, they observe no. bruising. They feel heat. They see and and feel swelling. Those are objective findings. A subjective finding is you ask a patient on a scale That's of one to ten. On a scale of one to ten, what's your pain today? Right, exactly. So, uh, where does it hurt? What does it feel like? Those things, and those are things that when a patient tells you. All they can do, and they will say this, and I've heard them say it. Under this is why I, I feel like I have some level of of I won't say expertise, but experience. I've heard doctors testify to this that when you talk about subjective findings, it's you ask a question, and all you can do is take the answer at face value. So if Lamar Jackson feels like, okay, my knee uh, doesn't feel good, but I know my knee's injured, and the doctor knows it's injured. So if he asks me if it's a one to ten, I'm just going to tell him it's a three. At all times, because for, for all intents and purposes, if the doctor says he can play and he wants to play, he's going to play. It doesn't matter if it's a three or it's a 10, if it's a 10, uh, unless Lamar Jackson was like, I'm going to do irreparable harm to myself by playing. He is going to give an answer that's going to make sure that the doctor is going to give him a green light to play. If the objective findings, the, the, the test results say that he should be playing. So if the if they're still getting test results and say it would be dangerous for you to play football, then he's going to say, yeah, okay, I'm not obviously not going to play football. But if he's feeling discomfort or pain, all football players feel pain every week. They play a sport yeah. where they run into each other and they're bruised up and banged up all the time. So I think what we may be seeing here is a disconnect between the patient and the treating physicians and the subjective findings and the objective findings. And so a couple of days ago, Lamar Jackson saying, I feel good enough to play. So I'm going to be out there on Sunday. <clears throat> and the doctors are saying, well, Lamar's telling me that he feels good enough to play. So we expect him to be out there on Sunday. We're going to do some testing of his physical capabilities this week and see if he's ready to practice. And on Tuesday, they took him out and they ran him through some activities that are more than he's been doing. And then guess what happened? His fucking knee swelled up because, and that's not something you can predict, but if they, if he's telling them there's no pain or there's little pain or whatever the case may be, and he goes out and he does exercise that is more than what he's been doing. And then the knee blows up. It's unexpected, but it's a setback and it's the doctors didn't expect it. He didn't expect it, but it's something also that could resolve itself in two days. Right, Swelling so, is not indicative of a lot, except for the fact that it's a body's response to uh, something's going on and it's trying to protect something that's going on. So like swelling is weird. It can happen and it can go away very quickly. So like you said, he could be out there on Sunday or he couldn't be out there on Sunday. I don't think today is necessarily going to tell the story of that. I think it's less likely he's going to be out there on Sunday. We're going to connect with the uh, older viewers here. I mean, I'm, I'm 32. You're, you're 47, you know, um, <laughs> getting old there are mornings where i wake up where i'm like i can't fucking walk and i don't want to get out of bed and you know my back is shot my fucking knee won't move and if a doctor asked me what my pain tolerance was right there i'd say you know I i'd say it was a three but if somebody asked me to go fucking run a mile i'm not getting out of bed because i can't fucking move 
And then there are days where I wake up and I feel like I'm 17 again and I'm like in my physical prime. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you just can't trust what Lamar says to a doctor in terms of how his knee feels because it varies minute to minute. Yep. You know, it just, it, it's, it's a weird thing where if the doctor asks him the same question at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning when he woke up versus two o'clock in the afternoon, you're going to get a different answer. Yeah. And so I'm banking on this scenario where the adrenaline's pumping. He's pumped up with whatever fucking painkillers they give him. And he's just like, fuck it. Let's strap him up and let's go. And he's just going to walk out on the field and play. And I, I'm okay with him being cold and not practicing all week and going on playing, to be honest, because there's nobody that I trust more than Lamar Jackson on this team to run the offense. Well, I certainly like trust we, him as opposed to Tyler Huntley. Well, and like we said, too, like it's really up to our defense to set the tone in this game. Yeah. I think this is going to be a game where we crack the Bengals offense and, you know, any any offense on our side is going to be good offense and that it's really going to come down to, you know, David Ajabo strip sacking Joe Burrow again or fucking somebody laying out Jamar Chase over the middle. That's really going to be the, uh, you know, the game changing play. And so I almost feel like we're not going to rely on Lamar Jackson to be a superhero on Sunday. And that's all the more reason that he can play is that anything that he gives you is going to be a positive contribution to the team. And anything that he's capable of giving you at even 20% help is more than what Anthony Brown or Tyler Huntley will give you. Well, and, and so, and if, if Lamar is up to it and if the medical staff is, uh, you know, approves of it to put Lamar out there. And then if, you see that he doesn't look right. You pull him. Yeah. I mean, again, we have, and he's got to know that too. He's got, he has to know, listen, there's a short leash here because we are not going to RG three you. We're not going to have you out no. there and have you rip your knee apart. Your and knee then up, we, yeah. and then we're talking about your injury pro is prolonged into next season because, uh, you know, I think you and I, we, we talked about this with Clem. Uh, we're both very confident that the, this, this uh, extension is getting done very soon. After Lamar Jackson is in, is in a Ravens uniform next year. I think it's on an extension and in that weird doomsday scenario where that extension doesn't get agreed to on whatever the uh, J- July date is for a franchise tag. Like he's still playing here under the tag. Yeah. Yeah. There is, well, there is no shot. Lamar is somewhere else next year. I think, I, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to put this on the record. I believe. Okay. So we didn't even, we didn't really, we, you mentioned it, but we didn't really like discuss it, but Roquan Smith got a, a five-year, $100 million Which I extension. called on this podcast, for the record. I told you, you and Grant, I said, we're going to sign Roquan before we sign uh, Lamar. You did. You did. And and the only pushback that I had with that was, if they do that, then it's uh, it's like... You said the fan base was going to melt down, and they did melt down. Yeah, it's problematic. So because exactly like you said. Yeah, right. But I think, based on the way that it's structured... It's a precursor to the Lamar Jackson deal, and it's a precursor to the the whatever happens here. So I think what happens is the season ends. They go, they approach Lamar. They say, "Here's the initial offer." He says, "I don't want that," and they then they they immediately give him the franchise tag so that he's locked in, and they can negotiate with him while he's locked in. Yeah, I mean, I think this is again, this is all down to guaranteed money. I don't yeah. think that anybody in the world doesn't think that Lamar Jackson is going to get around $50 million a year. Like when it's all said and done, whether it's five and two fifty, fucking, you know, six and 300, right. whatever the numbers are, don't matter. Like that, that's what his annual value is going to be. Right. Well, a huge so, encouraging factor of the Roquan deal 
is that he also has no agent. And he yeah. came out today and said that uh, Eric DaCosta was honest, open, and uh, forthright the entire way, honored his word. So, you know, I, that's why I think like all the, everything's been overblown about, oh, Lamar's mad about this, that, and the other. I think EDC was clear with him about what he's authorized to do. Yeah. Lamar didn't want to do that at that time. So they said, okay, let's reconvene in the offseason and then we'll we'll figure it out. You're also talking about a hundred million dollar investment versus a quarter of a billion dollar investment. Like right. what Lamar is about to get is two to two and a half times bigger than what I was actually Roquan I was thinking got. about this. So Roquan Smith got forty five million dollars guaranteed. The franchise yeah. tag for Lamar Jackson next year is forty four million dollars. Yeah. So, I mean, we're just talking bigger numbers and the bigger the numbers are, the more, more people you need to sign off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Exactly. You know, we can play this crazy tinfoil hat bullshit that our fan base likes to play of Lamar hates the team. Lamar hates Harbaugh. Lamar hates EDC. EDC doesn't value Lamar. We can, we can fucking go down that rabbit hole all we want. The fact of the matter is, is that Lamar put a hard date on when he would not negotiate anymore. And people are like, well, why didn't the Ravens approach him? Because he's your fucking franchise player, and why the fuck are you going to piss him off with that? He you said, know? right, he said, he, and, no and, you, no. and you and, no you and I no. both We're had the theories Browns. throughout the, and you know what, these are theories. Like, I, I don't know Lamar Jackson, I don't know anybody in his camp, no. I, don't, I don't know anything. I don't um, know shit about the guy other than he's the quarterback for my favorite team. Right, exactly. So, um, I, you know, I think this gets done, I think. They they come to him with their initial offer. If he says no, they immediately franchise tag him only because it gives both sides the flexibility to negotiate then up until the deadline yeah. to get that franchise tag signed. And you are there's there's worse things that could happen to Lamar Jackson than they don't reach an agreement and he makes forty four million dollars in one season. Now there you, that that would be very bad for the Ravens. Would it though? I think so, just because I think. Like the way that they structured the the Roquan deal, he's making like he's five million against the cap next year. I think it's six, but yeah. What what? Yeah, it's five point yeah, whatever. Right. But like the we need flexibility because we need to be able to trade for for DeAndre Hopkins or for Mike Evans or uh, sign Alan Lazard, all those things. Like we need to be able to bulk up this roster. We there are uh, there are needs that need to be met, and um, you know, so Ravens have a. For- Ravens have a projected $52 million under the cap next year. Okay. And, then, that's and, with- and, and, and to be clear, we have the fifth most cap space available. So like people who want yeah. to talk about the front office has done this, that, the other, the, the fifth most, that's, that's pretty fucking good. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, again, maybe this is me putting on my purple patrol pants here. I, I don't really fucking know. And I really don't care because I think this fucking division on Twitter is retarded. And yeah, I use another word that I'm not supposed to, but I don't really fucking care at this point. Uh, I so think it's a, that, yeah, it's a weekly. Uh, yeah, it's a weekly thing. Usually I stop myself, but this week I didn't. I think that. Mark it on your bingo card. Yeah, mark it. Drew, Drew said a uh, uh, slur about the uh, mentally disabled. Oh, well, fucking. Um, you know, we're walking in the air with 52 million in cap space. That's with making no moves. That's with only Boyle coming off the books. You have other people you can get rid of in clear cap space. And so. And maybe we're talking 65, 67 million, whatever that number is. I saw a scenario where we're at like 72 to 75 million. Yeah. And so you have Lamar Jackson is going to take up at most $44 million next year. Yep. Okay. That gives you another $30 million to play with or $20 million to play with. 
You're telling me that you can't go get an Alan Lazard. You can't go get uh, Mike Evans and DeAndre Hopkins. You can't make that shit work. You definitely can. And so I'm looking at the team we have now of Lamar Jackson and fucking losers at wide receiver. And that had us in the driver's seat for the division. And that had us, you know, being in that this team hasn't played an A game all year and they're a scary Super Bowl contender. So if you just add Lamar Jackson to this current roster, we are a Super Bowl contender. There is no way to deny that. And we have the money to play him out on the tag if we really want to. Is that ideal? No. Is that what you want to do? No. But if push came to shove, your doomsday scenario, you can do that. And this whole nonsense of Lamar is not going to play under the tag is fucking stupid. And it's pushed by these stupid fucking kids who started watching football in 2019 who think that Lamar feels disrespected. Lamar feels this. And Lamar feels that. You don't know Lamar Jackson. You know, I'm, there are I'm also people, people who probably have never um, had a job, like a real job before. Yeah. So, like, guess what? Every single person, every adult is underpaid. Is underpaid. Every every adult is underpaid. Everybody. I unless you people, unless you own I your own business people. and you like pay yourself, yeah. and even then, you're probably still fucking underpaid. Probably even more so. Yeah, I make people above me more money than they pay. It is what it is. That that's how life works. It, it's not fair. It's fucking, you know, I'm out there risking my mental health and my fucking, you know, physical health, maybe at some points to to make somebody who is the owner of my company more money than they're going to pay me. That's fucking life. Steve Biscotti is going to make 10 times what he pays Lamar Jackson. And that's just that's that's how everything works. If you don't own your own business and you're not working for yourself, you're getting fucked by somebody above you. It's, well, it's not like, even that. It's like they're the one taking on the risk. They're paying yeah. you. They're they're paying you. And. I don't think Lamar is – I also think that some of those takes come from this point of view where Lamar is a dumb athlete, and Lamar is not a dumb athlete. And at some point, somebody's going to – you know, Lamar Jackson will look at this and say, I would rather have a five-year, $250 million fully guaranteed contract. Getting paid $44 million next year isn't all that bad. You know, right. Would he love to have his financial future secured? Yes. Would that you know take a lot of doubts out of his book? Of course, but – it is, you know, the situation is what the situation is. Yeah, yeah. And well, and it, also, so, so if he made forty-four million next year instead of getting a, a an extension, which I hope he gets the extension, that's what I want. But yeah. if they can't settle on the right number, the it it, it, it uh, to me on the organization side, it's stupid because the number goes up because yeah, the, the, the cap goes cap goes up. Another year of Lamar means another year of Lamar doing Lamar things. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to be optimistic and say next year, Lamar is not going to miss the last five years or five games of the season. So, um, you know, I think it's it's a, a huge priority. The number one priority, it's the number one priority probably ever of the the organization in their existence to get I this contract done. Sports franchise. I would argue that no other sports franchise has been in a position like this where they have a need to sign somebody like the Ravens need to sign Lamar Jackson. The idea that he's going to leave to go to another team is so stupid. The only reason that would ever happen is if the if they came to him and they were like, we want to pay you like $30 million a year, something stupid like that. Because like, and we already know that's not true. Like you and no. I, okay, you and I know, you and I know through a third party, mm-hmm. the offer to Lamar Jackson before the season was $195 million guaranteed. Yep. $195 million. And I, I've heard through different third parties that there were multiple offers made to Lamar Jackson and that he was 20 to $30 million guaranteed over the life of the contract away from where the Ravens were. 
And so if you want to take that report of the $195 million that we've heard, then Lamar wanted $220 million guaranteed. That's really not a huge gap. Right. You know, if the Ravens came to Lamar and said 210, is Lamar saying no to that? I don't know. But my whole thing is that, like, there is this sect of Ravens Twitter that wants so badly for EDC to fuck this up so that they can pretend like their old takes of EDC as a shit GM are correct. Because that is the only way to validate your take that EDC is a bottom five GM in the league is if he lets Lamar Jackson walk. It's yep. the same reason why the old racist, crusty white fucks will not admit that Lamar Jackson is a good quarterback because they said he should switch to running back when he's coming out of the draft. And so rather than giving him his due and admitting the facts that he's an elite NFL quarterback, they sit here with this, you know, nonsense of he can't win the playoffs. They always shift the goalposts. This is the opposite side of that. Of These people hate Eric DaCosta for whatever fucking reason. I don't know what it is. I don't really care either because I don't value opinions of people who come in with contrived narratives and want to fucking, you know, fit the facts into them. The fact is that we know about 10% of what's happened. Yep. 90% of what's going on is happening behind the scenes. And we have no fucking idea about it. And it's fun to speculate. It's fun to play these games of if this happens, if that happens. The fact is, is that Lamar Jackson is here. He's not going anywhere. Shut your fucking mouth and like, let's, let's fucking let this shit play out before we start, you know, taking victory laps and dancing on grapes. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be one of the more shocking things ever happened in all of sports. If Lamar left, I thought it was funny. Um, I forget. It it was Kevin Clancy uh, was on some show and he was talking about, he's a Jets fan. Jets fans really think they're going to, they're going to have Lamar Jackson next year. Okay. Jets fan. It's it's Knicks, Jets, Yankees. It's the same fucking people. And anytime there's a big name that is rumored to be on the market, they're going to their team. You know, LeBron James wants to go play for the Knicks because the Knicks play at Madison Square Garden and that's the Mecca. Or, you know, anytime, again, I fucking, Clem and I bonded over this, I fucking despise Yankee fans. Anytime there is a big name that is rumored to be available, either in free agency or via trade, Yankee fans convince themselves that they're going to go there. And those are the same people that root for the Jets is that there is a rumor. There is some smoke that Lamar Jackson is going to be available. And so they have now convinced themselves that Lamar Jackson is going there. And it's just, it's not going to happen. Like I I hate to, I hate to, I I love to stomp on New York fans hearts, but he's just not going to go there. He's not going to leave. The only reason he would leave, like I said, is if they had some insulting offer for him and they said, we're not like it's first and last. Even if he leaves, why the fuck would you go to the Jets? <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. perennial loser franchise. Right. Lamar Jackson is going to have 15 teams at minimum if he hits up the open market that are going to be interested in him. He's going to be able to handpick where he wants to go. That, and, and, then, sorry, and that's why I say this shit is getting done so quickly when this season's over yeah. because there's not going to be an opportunity for other teams to even have a conversation. Before the league year opens and he can talk to other teams, he will be under contract. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. The Ravens, again, people love to shit on Steve Biscotti. You know, penny-pinching Steve doesn't want to spend any money. The guy is a billionaire for a reason. He's not fucking stupid. He's clearly done something There's a precedent set. There's a precedent set. The only other time we've had a franchise quarterback here, we let him play it out, and then we signed him within a week of the season ending. 
And I would argue that the Joe Flacco situation was significantly different because they did not have faith in Joe Flacco being the franchise quarterback. They were not offering him. He proved it, right? He proved it. Yeah. They know that I, that Lamar is. They just were they're, they were, they're apprehensive they were, because the 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 uh, the landscape the has changed. Fuckers. Well, right, the, the landscape, right, the landscape has changed. And okay, so this is part of our uh, our our little our Twitter community here, and people have been talking about how well. We're heading towards a, a situation where all contracts are going to be fully guaranteed. What we just saw, Roquan Smith is a player who is probably, I would say, the second best player on the Ravens now, right? Yeah. And the second yeah, most I, important player. The second yeah. most important player. And Look he got a splits before and after. Right. He got a contract that is in total money is basically the exact same as Ronnie Stanley, who is probably the third most important player on the team but less guaranteed money. And the fact that people think that every player is going to get guaranteed money, the only way that happens is if then players adjust their expectations for how much money the contract's going to be for in total. Because Roquan Smith, you know what his total contract would be if he wanted a fully guaranteed contract? $45 million. million, What he got. uh, And this hasn't come out yet. This is just me. Um you know, reading between the lines here, I think that Roquan's deal is forty-five million in the first three years. There are, you know, in the last two years, there's another fifteen million added in guarantees if he's on the roster. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's how I think that that deal works out is that it's forty-five up front and then fifteen on the back end, guaranteed if he stays. So again, we're talking about twelve million dollars. The essential guaranteed. guarantees, right? Right. Yeah, 12, We've talked about yeah. this in the past on this podcast where it's like fully guaranteed. The reason the Browns did a Fully guaranteed two hundred thirty million dollars because they're fucking idiots. That's why it's because they were desperate for Deshaun Watson. Again, if you go back and look at how this played out, because everybody loves to play this revisionist history fuck shit. He did not want to go to the Browns. He visited the Browns. He said, "No, I don't want to go here." And he was talking about going to Atlanta. And then all of a sudden, the Browns come over the top with a Godfather offer of you know an offer he can't refuse. Right. Nobody's turning down two hundred thirty million dollars guaranteed. Just not going to happen. Yep. And so that's how that's how they lured him there. And you know, you don't have to do that to Lamar. Is the thing you don't need no. a Godfather offer to Lamar. Like Lamar clearly wants to be part of this team going forward. Lamar, Lamar clearly likes it here. So it really just comes down to what is he willing to give on, and what are the Ravens willing to give on? So what he needs, then, I'm telling you right now, what he needs is uh, this is fair. He needs to be the highest paid by average quarterback ever yep and he needs to make in the neighborhood of what deshaun watson's making in guarantees so i'm saying like in the 220 to 230 range around there he needs a mahomes and rogers aav and he needs a you know watson guarantee and there's a way to figure that out and i think like i said i you know reading this situation from what i've been told from you know reading the room I think they just ran out of time. I think Lamar expected to walk into the negotiation room and say, I want this. And Eric supposed to say, yes, here you go. And that didn't happen. They got caught in these fucking bullshit details of the contract and they ran out of time. Who, who the fuck cares at this point? Like it, th- this whole idea that the Ravens hate Lamar. I, I feel like these fans just want the Ravens to fuck it up. So Not even hate that they doubt him or they, they don't yeah. just all that is so stupid. Like, I mean, we have some miserable fucks in our fan base who just want to be mad all the time. And yep. so this is the situation that they've nailed themselves to is that they're going to be mad about Lamar not being signed and they're going to act like Lamar is out the door when he's not out the door yet. 
And all you're doing is you're setting yourself up to look fucking stupid. And I promise you, I'm going to dance on every single one of those fucking morons grades because like you have spent now a year and a half crying about Lamar not being extended. When he gets extended, you're going to hear from me daily until you fucking admit that you're stupid. Well, yeah. I mean, these are people like they're, they're admitting that they are not Ravens fans. They're, Lamar Jackson fans, and it's fine to be a Lamar Jackson fan. I'm, I am one of them, but uh, you're supposed, you should be both. My like, loyalty to Lamar Jackson ends when he's not wearing purple anymore. Exactly, and that's that. That's how I treat every other player. I won't hate Lamar when he leaves. I hate Matthew Judon right now, so he's at a different level than somebody like that. But I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm loyal to the purple and black. That's what it is. Yep. All right, we should wrap this up. You and I could go. It's. It, it, yeah. For 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 contacts, it's twelve twenty in the morning at this point. Um, you know, we could go all night, but uh, I think it's best if if we we wrap this up. So, it, it, in you know, just to to sort of uh, put a bow on put it. A bow on. Yeah. Yeah. The Ravens, the people who think the Ravens are going to get you know rolled, boat, boat raced out of the the dumbass fucking Cincinnati Stadium uh, on what what is it even called? First, uh, fucking first incest energy first stadium. No, first energy. Incest, incest skyline stadium. I don't fucking remember. Uh, I could be Nothing wrong. Happened. This could haunt me, but I think that is a fucking idiotic way to look at this game. I think it's going to be tight. I think we're going to have fun watching this, and fun is 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 a, a subjective to get back to 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 sort of like do a a callback here. Subjective versus subjective. This is going to be a subjective thing. I think it's going to be a fun game. Uh, it's going to be tense. It's going to be uh, physical. Um, Ravens are Ravens are plus eight at the time recording this. Put your fucking mortgage on the Ravens covering. Yeah, so I feel like an idiot because I did a I put a, p- a couple parlays in a couple days ago when the Ravens were plus six and a half, and I thought I was a fucking genius because Lamar was going to get announced that he was playing, and it was yeah. going to go down to like, uh, you know. Ravens uh, pick a pick them or a plus three Raven, or Ravens plus one or something like that. Yeah. So, but I, you know what? I don't give a shit. Plus six and a half plus eight. It doesn't matter. It's not going to be a, a seven point game. It's it's going to, um, uh, you know what? I predicted a seven point game. So fuck me. You predicted seven points in the other direction. Though. I'm saying the Ravens are not going to lose by more than more than a touchdown. Not going to happen. Well, they're not going to lose. They're not going to lose. They're going to win. So yeah, uh, it's just, they're going to cover, put your mortgage on it. Fucking bet the house. Bet your kids college fund. We got this. Yeah. And if your kids turn uh, out dumb because they don't go to college because of me, it's not my fault. It's your fault. It's a bad parent. Yeah. You should definitely bet on the Ravens if your kid is dating a 30 year old German. Yes. I agree. Yeah. You can hire a hitman with the money you win. So, yeah. So, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, See what happens when Jake's not here. We go for like two hours. So, um, Jake, so if you R- like longer episodes, if you like longer episodes, then it's Jake's fault. You don't get them. Yeah, well, and you know it, this is going to be the case from now on because Jake's dead. Um, yeah. he, he's ash. He was burned into, uh, you know, soot earlier today. So, uh, you know, win this one for Jake. Yeah, exactly. And you may never see Grant again. We we yeah. we saw him disintegrate before our eyes. It, it so this is just a, a Drew and Will bot- podcast now. This is dangerous. Uh, Max, you may have to to uh, show up next week and moderate this, no yeah, matter Max, what your so responsibilities good. are, because this is going to go off the rails from now on. Yeah, Especially no, no matter what happens this week, next week is going to be ugly, very ugly for all yeah. involved. All right, we'll catch y'all next week. Should I say? Should I make a noise or say see ya? Yeah, no. 
yeah, I don't see you making that noise. See ya. See ya. Zone, zone 32. 32.